This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Today's podcast is a reading of The Cats of Ulthar by H.P. Lovecraft. It's read by Steve Mann for LibriVox. It runs eight minutes, and we will be discussing it afterward. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Mann. The Cats of Ulthar by H.P. Lovecraft It is said that in Ulthar, which lies beyond the river sky, no man may kill a cat, and this I can verily believe as I gaze upon him who sitteth purring before the fire, for the cat is cryptic and close to strange things which men cannot see. He is the soul of antique Egyptus and bearer of tales from forgotten cities of Marrow and Offer. He is the kin of the jungle's lords and heir to the secrets of hoary and sinister Africa. The Sphinx is his cousin, and he speaks her language, but he is more ancient than the Sphinx, and he remembers that which she hath forgotten. In Althar, before ever the Burgesses forbade the killing of cats, there dwelt an old cotter and his wife who delighted to trap and slay the cats of their neighbors. Why they did this I know not, save that many hate the voice of the cat in the night, and take it ill that cats should run stealthily about yards and gardens at twilight. But whatever the reason, this old man and woman took pleasure in trapping and slaying every cat which came near to their hovel, and from some of the sounds heard after dark, many villagers fancied that the manner of slaying was exceedingly peculiar, but the villagers did not discuss such things with the old man and his wife because of the habitual expression on the withered faces of the two, and because their cottage was so small and so darkly hidden under spreading oaks at the back of a neglected yard. In truth, much as the owners of cats hated these odd folk, they feared them more, and instead of berating them as brutal assassins, merely took care that no cherished pet or mouser should stray too near the remote hovel under the dark trees. If through some unavoidable oversight a cat was missed and sounds heard after dark, the loser would lament impotently, or console himself by thanking fate that it was not one of his children who had thus vanished. For the people of Althar were simple and knew not whence it was that all cats first came. One day a caravan of strange wanderers from the south entered the narrow cobbled streets of Althar. Dark wanderers they were, and unlike the other roving folk who passed through the village twice every year. In the marketplace they told fortunes for silver and bought gay beads from the merchants. What was the land of these wanderers none could tell, but it was seen that they were given to strange prayers, and that they had painted on the sides of their wagons strange figures with human bodies in the heads of cats, hawks, rams, and lions. And the leader of the caravan wore a headdress with two horns and a curious disc betwixt the horns. There was in this singular caravan a little boy with no father or mother, but only a tiny black kitten to cherish. The plague had not been kind to him, yet had left him this small furry thing to mitigate his sorrow. And when one is very young, one can find great relief in the lively antics of a black kitten. 
So the boy whom the dark people called Meanies smiled more often than he wept as he sat playing with his graceful kitten on the steps of an oddly painted wagon. On the third morning of the wanderer's stay in Ulthar, Meanies could not find his kitten, and as he sobbed aloud in the marketplace, certain villagers told him of the old man and his wife and of sounds heard in the night. And when he heard these things, his sobbing gave place to meditation and finally to prayer. He stretched out his arms toward the sun and prayed in a tongue no villager could understand, though indeed the villagers did not try very hard to understand, since their attention was mostly taken up by the sky and the odd shapes the clouds were assuming. It was very peculiar, but as the little boy uttered his petition, there seemed to form overhead the shadowy nebulous figures of exotic things, of hybrid creatures crowned with horn-flanked discs, Nature is full of such illusions to impress the imaginative. That night the wanderers left Ulthar and were never seen again, and the householders were troubled when they noticed that in all the village there was not a cat to be found. From each hearth the familiar cat had vanished, cats large and small, black, gray, striped, yellow, and white. Old Crane and the Burgermeister swore that the dark folk had taken the cats away in revenge for the killing of Meanie's kitten, and cursed the caravan and the little boy. But Nith, the lean notary, declared that the old cotter and his wife were more likely persons to suspect, for their hatred of cats was notorious and increasingly bold. Still no one durst complain to the sinister couple. Even when little Atoll, the innkeeper's son, vowed that he had at twilight seen all the cats of Ulthar in that accursed yard under the trees, pacing very slowly and solemnly in a circle around the cottage, two abreast, as if in performance of some unheard-of rite of beasts, the villagers did not know how much to believe from so small a boy. And though they feared that the evil pair had charmed the cats to their death, they preferred not to chide the old cotter till they met him outside his dark and repellent yard. So Althar went to sleep in vain anger, and when the people awakened at dawn, behold, every cat was back at its accustomed hearth, large and small, black, gray, striped, yellow, and white. None was missing. Very sleek and fat did the cats appear, and sonorous with purring content. The citizens talked with one another of the affair and marveled not a little. Old Cranon again insisted that it was the dark folk who had taken them, since cats did not return alive from the cottage of the ancient man and his wife. But all agreed on one thing, that the refusal of all the cats to eat their portions of meat or drink their saucers of milk was exceedingly curious. And for two whole days the sleek, lazy cats of Ulthar would touch no food, but only doze by the fire in the sun. It was fully a week before the villagers noticed that no lights were appearing at dusk in the windows of the cottage under the trees. Then the lean Nith remarked that no one had seen the old man or his wife since the night the cats were away. In another week the Burgermeister decided to overcome his fears and call at the strangely silent dwelling as a matter of duty though in so doing he was careful to take with him Shang the blacksmith and Thal the cutter of stone as witnesses. And when they had broken down the frail door, they found only this. Two cleanly picked human skeletons on the earthen floor, and a number of singular beetles crawling in the shadowy corners. 
There was subsequently much talk among the burgesses of Althar. Zath, the coroner, disputed at length with Nith, the lean notary, and Cranon and Shang and Thal were overwhelmed with questions. Even little Adol, the innkeeper's son, was closely questioned and given a sweetmeat as a reward. They talked of the old cotter and his wife, of the caravan of dark wanderers, of small meanies and his black kitten, of the prayer of meanies and of the sky during that prayer, of the doings of the cats the night the caravan left, and what was later found in the cottage under the dark trees in the repellent yard. And in the end, the Burgesses passed that remarkable law which is told of by traders in Hathic and discussed by travelers in Nur, namely, that in Ulthar, no man may kill a cat. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hello, I'm Evan. Hi, I'm Trish. Hi, I'm Jason Thompson. Uh, I'm a comic artist and a game designer. And we're going to talk about The Cats of Altar by H.P. Lovecraft. This is first published uh, in The Tryout on November 1920. And then I think there was two, publica- two publications in Weird Tales. Uh, one with uh, no art. And I think the second one had like the standard hair as a reprint uh, not related to art. And then we get a great one in, um, was it Famous Fantastic? No, it was Fantastic, Stor- Fantastic Novels um, with uh, Hans Bach. Did you guys see that one? Did I manage to send that out to you? No. No, sorry. <laughs> that's, okay. that's okay. You had a lot on your page. You, <laughs> you just don't have to talk about, but just, you know, we understand. You. Yeah, just type in Hannes Bach, H-A-N-N-E-S-B-O-K. And uh, Cats of Althar, and you'll see it online. Um, that Somebody had the original. I found that at an auction or something, and it was a little nicer than this. But um, the first piece of art in there is, um, He stretched out his arms to the sun and prayed in a tongue no villager could understand. But he looks like a little girl, or at least a young woman. And then there's the final piece of art, is um, two cats looking very satisfied with themselves. It's only like three pages long, right? Uh, eight minutes to read. Um, was it eight pages for your your adaptation, uh, Jason? Uh, I believe I did it in, uh, yeah, I think it was eight pages. Yeah. So uh, he, here's a fact for you. I did a search on... Uh, on you know uh, Apple Podcast Directory or some podcast directory, and there's like 88 shows uh, mentioning Cats of Altar. Not you know 88 shows called the Cats of Altar. 88 episodes of different podcasts about it, and we haven't done one yet, so it's going to be 89 soon. Um, most of them, most of them are not in English, which is really interesting, and. Uh, a lot of people think that like this is the best introduction to Lovecraft, which I think is interesting because it's very different from most of his stuff. Um, unless you're talking dream quest, right? I think it has a lot of little things in it that, that work as a nice introduction to some of his themes. Uh, you have, you have witches, you have, uh, kind of the wandering weirdos coming in (laughs) foreigners. Mm hmm. Arriving. Strange geographies. Yeah, you um, 
yeah, I think I think it works as a decent introduction. You say yeah. witches, but they're they're not exactly you know traditional European style witches. Well, the, right? the couple, right? The couple and the are they the uh, are they is that witches. what they're doing? They're witchish. Witchish. They're scary, whatever they are. I mean, I envisioned them as sort of more like ogres, um, but uh, kind of unclear how human they're supposed to be or how frightening they are. But they're, well, they're definitely frightening. There's something weird about them. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm I, I'm really thinking maybe this is a can be read subversively. <laughs> I know I do this a lot, Trish. Sorry, but um, I was like, is it really the? Why is this such a popular story? Like, for example, there's a story that is very similar in length, very similar in uh, the way it's told. Like the narr- narrator here is present for some reason. Um, and it's a kind of a murder mystery, right? But the thing is, is that other story has no attention and nobody loves it. And Jason, I think you did one drawing of it, but you haven't done an adaptation of it. I don't think. Um, and that story is called the tree. Um, it's, it's like really not, if you pick, um, made a list of all the Lovecraft stories, popular to least popular at the top would be Call of Cthulhu probably, right? And then, You'd get a lot of the longer ones. For some reason, people would say uh, At the Mountains of Madness is number two or something like that. And I'm thinking most of the people on this fictional list that I'm making haven't read most of Lovecraft because they're just picking ones they know the names of. But at the very bottom of the list would be like Old Bugs and (laughs) (laughs) a couple of the really marginal pieces that are, you know that are not even meant for, like, the wicked clergyman, right, which is just a letter <laughs> of an actual dream he had, or the evil clergyman is sometimes called. And then right near that bottom of those marginal ones would be a one that was actually published called The Tree, which is about two Greek guys who get into a sculpting contest. Um, one of them dies, and then the other one buries him. And then the tree that he, uh, the stick that he plants at the head of the tomb turns into a tree and crushes the other guy. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> and it's a really weird story because when I first read it, I was like, this story sucks. <laughs> it's like, why am I even reading this stupid thing? But then there was like this line at the end, like, I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? So I looked it up and like, oh, okay. It means, uh, it's like the sound of the bees. The, the bee, the beekeeper, the way that story works was the narrator is visiting Greece or something. And he says, Hey, uh, I heard you tell stories. And the beekeeper says to him, well, yeah, well, let me tell you the story about these two sculptors. And he tells the story. And at the end of the story, the narrator comes back and says, um, or maybe it's this beekeeper comes back and says, uh, yeah, the bees make this weird sound. And that, that's the end of the story, right? But the weird sound means like we remember or we know. And I'm like, what do you know? What do you remember? And when I went back and reread the story, I'm like, oh, this is a murder mystery. And when you read the, the story very, very closely, like I did because I'm trying to understand it, I realized that, um, the reason people don't like that story is because they don't get it. Whereas with this story, I mean, it's telegraphed from the very beginning, right? That there's this couple who kill cats. The cats all go missing. They all blame it on this, this couple. 
And then the kid has his cat go missing, and he finds out that there's this couple, and he calls down the wrath of Bast and <laughs> a bunch of other people down on on this couple, and the cats all swarm them and eat them, and that's the end of the story, right? So it's super simple, as opposed to uh, the tree, which it doesn't tell you that it's a murder mystery. You see, you see what I'm saying? I mean, the tree is written. Um, yeah, the tree is written. So subtly, it's possible to read it and not even realize what is happening or what the point is. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, of course, people love people love cats. Yes, love cats. So yes, they do. The fact that the story is about cats and that's cats in the title that's that's you know that's golden. Um, yes, you know, and it doesn't have that much racism in it either, which is nice, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's even even the uh, mysterious dark foreigners who show up and and use their magic. They're they're the good guys, sort of. So uh, you know, it's. For Lovecraft standard, it's uh, you know, it's on the it's on the in the top fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's like it's delightfully free of racism. Um, it's got cats in it. It's simple. Of course, everybody's gonna love it, right? So that's why I was like, uh, Evan's saying they're witches. And I'm like, mm, who to- who's saying that in the story? Like we're told that that they're do, people blame them for the killing of the cats, right? The and, and Jason, your your adaptation, you've got we get to see inside their house, and there's like they've got cat skins nailed all over the wall, right? We don't know exactly what they're doing based on uh, the art, but they definitely <laughs> were killing cats, right? Maybe it looks like they're eating them. <laughs> uh, I mean, they, I just they're just described as being so scary that I, I decided I would lean into that, and that makes and, and that that eliminates because otherwise it's just a, some mean-spirited old couple who are like you know killing cats for some reason and then they and then they die and I, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make it a little more i just wanted to push it to there obviously some there's something monstrous about oh it. yeah oh that, that's definitely what people in the town are saying about them but we never see you know them sitting around the table talking about wow all those cats are disappearing i wonder what's going on right it's all about what the community says about these people and since Lovecraft is capable of doing that thing where he hides the truth from us, I mean, that's, Evan talks about this all the time about how, on his podcast, he talks about how Lovecraft stories are like, we gotta hide the truth, we gotta burn these manuscripts, and then, of course, that, the story gets published and we're reading that. So, it's a kind of a push-pull in that direction. But here, it's all in one direction. These guys are definitely bad. We're, t- we're told it, we believe it, and, and yet, um, there's the bugs, remember? And you've, you've even put them Beatles. in here, the beetles, right? Yeah, I right. wondered if they were supposed to be scarabs because of I the think so. Egyptian link. Right, right because I, I get the feeling that this region of the Dreamlands, because this is not a real world, this is obviously the Dreamlands, I think takes a lot from Egypt, and so mm-hmm. that's why when we find the two cleanly picked human skeletons on the earth and floor and a number of singular beetles, singular is an interesting word mm-hmm. there, so I think that, I think I think Trish is right that they're meant to be scarabs crawling in the shadowy corners. So, I, what I what I find interesting about this is it's bloodless in a way. I mean, the cats disappear, mm-hmm. and then but these strangers basically reconjure the cats out of dream stuff. All the cats have come back, and the only persons affected in the end are are this horrible couple who mm-hmm. get. We get devoured, and who knows what happens to their 
animate force. I mean, they're turned into a bones. Do they? It's like what happens to their spirit, for lack of a better word, because this is not the mortal plane. Do the cats, you know, like <laughs> do something with it, or do do do, do they suck the life it? out of them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did the cats? I mean, I mean the whole cats. I mean the whole. I forgot the movie where. The, where they're afraid that the cat was sucking the baby's breath. Yeah, like that, it's a that it's a belief, right? Yeah. So is that sort of what happened here too? And just the, they ate them and just ate their souls as well, which would kind of be fitting for what they were doing to the cats. But the cats do nothing in the story till the strangers kind of level them up or activate them in some ways. But then, <laughs> activate. But it's, yeah. but it's six because afterwards, nobody dares to touch a cat, even though the strangers are probably gone. The cats still have their power, for lack of a better word. So, so that's, kind of uh, that's exactly the circularity I'm pointing to. Like, when you read the tree, it starts with the beekeeper. Um, then we get the, the, the inner, inner story, and then we come back to the beekeeper and the sound of the bees, right? And here, it, it starts... Um, I keep going back to like who is the narrator. So if if you read the opening paragraph, it goes like this: It is said that in Ulthar, which lies beyond the river sky, no man may kill a cat. And this I can verily believe, as I gaze upon him who sitteth purring before the fire. That first sentence is also the last image of the story. I'm looking at Jason's end. Right, the last panel is a very happy, satisfied-looking cat sitting before a fire on a pillow. Um, it almost looks like it's it's looking at us uh, sexually, but uh, I'm starting <laughs> to think it's more like it's looking at us hungrily, you know. And there's this idea that when you know, when a when a person dies, their dogs will like lies patiently beside them for them to wake up until the until the do- dog starves to death. As soon as you die and you're you're in a cat household, the cat will eat you, your corpse. <laughs> this is a, one of those myths that I hope never gets tested when I'm around. <laughs> <laughs> but but the the point of this story is like a, a whole village full of cats ate ate a couple, right? And yet the heroes are the cats. <laughs> they are the cats, right? They got their revenge. You know, it's like an EC Comics story. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's I think that's simplicity. That moral simplicity basically yes. is one of the things that makes it a very, very appealing beginner Lovecraft story. But it also makes it unlike other Lovecraft stories in a way. I mean, although you could, of course, you could, of course, try to dig into it and just, and you know and question the validity of cheering <laughs> on these murderous human-eating cats, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't really think we're intended to. I mean, just less, like in easy comics, you're not really supposed to stop and say, like, God, all that guy did was jaywalk. Why did he have to get murdered by <laughs> yeah, a yeah. living corpse, you know? So, yeah. But I, mean, I, I this is one of Lovecraft's happiest stories. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's also it's 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 twisted. It's twisted in a way like the terrible old man. Right. Where we're happy that the it's kind of similar, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, we're happy that this like, band of was it three robbers? Is it three or two? I think it's three robbers. Um, you know, try and home invade a, 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 I don't know, a pirate from three centuries ago. And they get their comeuppance and we're like, good, right? But um, I'm, I'm thinking about the way the story is structured. And uh, Jason, I think you've got the, I'm, I'm going to call them gypsies because they're not called gypsies in the story. Yeah, but I'll call them that. Call they, them travelers. Well, here's why I want to call them gypsies. Um, they're from Egypt, 
is why. Mm-hmm. Now, gypsies, uh, the traditional Roma people, right, of Europe, are not directly from Egypt. Um, there's a long story of where they come from, and it goes back to India and Alexander the Great, and uh, I guess there's some supporting evidence for this, but maybe Evan knows more about it. I um, Yeah, the... I was just reading something that, that but they, they, they passed uh, through they, a lot they, of places. They talked about the, that, uh, India connection. It may have been in a left. It's where the, it's where the word gypsy comes from, right? Is Egypt. And so what, what Menes, that character name, uh, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of you know this already. I didn't know it until I did my research years ago, but, uh, that character name is, um, an Egyptian mythological figure. Um, he is uh, the founder of of modern upper and lower uh, Egypt being united into one Egyptian state, and so it's kind of like this story is is like it's pre-Egyptian, if you see what I mean. It's you know what? Go for it. Oh, sorry. Uh, another possible source, for mm-hmm. the, the you know, is I think the, the quote unquote dark wanderers and Dunsany's idle days on the yam. Oh yeah, sure. Um, Although they are described in a more, I mean, they're definitely some kind of weird other travelers, but they aren't specifically described as being Egyptian-esque. They're described as turban-wearing. Mm. But I, I feel it's a similar, it's a very similar type of description. Yeah. So in, uh, uh, I'm trying to find my original post. I'm so disorganized. I'm sorry about this. But basically, in in my um, post about this story years and years ago, from 2008, if I can find it. Nope, can't find it. I'm going to have to type it in again. God damn it. SFF Audio, Althar, Cats. Oh, there's a music right. band well, called the Althar Cats. looking for that, I'll just say that yep. um, I think it's interesting that uh, the villagers are such frightened and passive people. Yes. Um, they refuse to say anything about it to the, you know... Everyone knows that they are killing and probably torturing cats, but they, none of them want to say anything to a, a peasant and his wife who live in a hovel. So these are poor people who normally could easily be oppressed by yes. the other, you know, they're the treated like witches. You're right, right, Evan. They're treated like That's witches. The, the idea of there's some people out in the woods doing, you know, dark magic. In fact, I was just reading a Lovecraft's letter to Howard, where he talked at length about uh, the witch cults of, of Europe, a book he loved, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he goes at length, his, his, his analysis of this book is an interpretation, and he doesn't quite believe everything Marie says in that book, but the heart of the argument is that there were all these vernacular religions, and they and witchcraft is the survival of like pre-Christian beliefs. And, and Lovecraft has no problem believing that people who, you know, accept Christianity would accept you know, any host of other superstitions and things. So it's not, it's not saying magic's real, right? That's, it's just, it's not that far of a leap to say there are people engaged in magic. I mean, that's true in our world, right? Right. People who are Christian who also believe in crystals and psychic things and whatever. Sure. All right. So I've got it here. Let me read this. Uh, this is what I wrote about it nine years ago. First published in the tryout, November 1920. An unusual tale by Lovecraft. It reads more like an old-fashioned fairy tale than any other I've read. 
The story features a young boy named Menes who loves cats, or one cat in specifics. Uh, Lovecraft probably took the name from the writings of a Greek historian named uh, Diodorus Siculus, who related a tale of the legendary Egyptian pharaoh named Menes that he heard uh, that he heard sorry that he had heard from some crocodile god priests so there's this guy Diodorus Siculus he heard about this legendary Egyptian pharaoh named Menes who heard it from some crocodile god priests right? <laughs> and then the next sentence Menes it is said fled from his own dogs who attacked him while hunting his escape was assisted by a crocodile, but no dogs or crocodiles are mentioned in the Cats of Ulthar. Hmm. Now, when I saw Jason's adaptation, I was like, oh yeah, you're bringing to light all the things that are being described, but you're giving them the faces that I recognize, right? So Lovecraft doesn't say some uh, gypsy showed up with a caravan and on the side of the caravan was a picture of Bast. He doesn't hmm. say that, right? But you read the story and he said, oh, he's dis- he's talking about Bast, right? Or, you know, three or four of the other ones. And it's not only Bast, which is interesting, right? Because um, if you look at the editorial introduction in uh, Fantastic Novels, uh, it says, Who was to know the depths of their pride or guess from their quiet ma- mien that they were bred from ancient Egypt's fierce godhead? and had not forgotten the taste of sacrificial blood. Now, what's funny here is the referent is missing. Their pride doesn't say who it is, but we're looking at a page that says the cats of Althar. So automatically I say, oh, it's the cats. And that makes me think, oh, Bast is the mother of all these cats. And the story backs that up, right? Are we really supposed to think that, though? I mean, Althar is in the dreamlands, and... So, according to the mythology, as I understand it, that existed before and beyond uh, human Earth history. So, it kind kind of a you know Jungian archetype or something. Although, sure, uh, yeah, I, I was wondering think. about the is it part of the Dreamlands? Because yeah, Jason I, I puts it on the map. <laughs> I was reading these in order. No, because yep. it shows it's definitely in the Dreamlands in Kadath when you read. Mm-hmm. Right. This is actually mentioned. So, um, in that sense, it is. But Lovecraft was writing these stories, these Dunsany kind of stories throughout his, uh, you know, uh, career. And like Polaris is kind of seen as a dreamland story. But if you just read it on its own, it's almost like, like you're saying, it's ancient Earth, right? It's primordial Earth. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the, the the first paragraph mentions Moreau, which is of course Nubia, and. Ophir, which is from... It's a lost port. We don't know where it is. It's mentioned in yeah. the Bible. Yeah. So It's just like, I it's mean, the same with like this idea of a Cthulhu mythos. Well, definitely dreamlands are something Lovecraft invented, unlike the Cthulhu mythos, but right, the connections right. come later, often. Yes. So it might be ex post facto that it's in located in the dreamlands, but it feels like that because the whole, okay, this couple yeah, kill, kills all these cats, but then the but then, but then these travelers just met, resurrect them all out immediately. Uh, yeah, I don't think they resurrect them. Oh, oh, I, I, I think, I think they are because it's like because they all they all go. Back. Where's the where's the where's the the line? I was like, um, 
Behold, every cat was back in his accustomed hearth, large and small, black, gray, striped, yellow and white. None was missing. So yeah, like- but that that's not they they didn't all die. They they the reason they were missing is cuz they were at they were busy feasting, right? So they all disappeared and and then the travelers left, right? And then they they blame the they blame the gypsies on this. They say, you know, they were so, telling fortunes and and they disappear and the cats disappeared. Obvious connection. Let's blame them, right? But then one little boy says, no, no, I saw the all the cats running around and circling their house on the edge of the community, and they're like, poo-poo, little boy, go away. <laughs> and then they like other people notice that the lights are not on in the, in the hovel, and so they go investigate the cotter, cotter's cottage, and lo and behold, yeah, there are skeletons in there. And, and also, you know, like, so I don't think that the cats who had been killed prior are resurrected, I think that they were just like swore all the existing still ex- extant cats uh trooped up like they do in later dreamland the dream quest of unknown Kadath and go on a mission <laughs> that's how I read it jesse uh, yeah it it doesn't I, say I, I that, that though Paul. I, I kept thinking, okay, this is a dreamland story, so that it is definitely dreamlike they all get got reconjured from. From from the f- first time that th- this couple was doing doing their business, so okay, so I so maybe I misread the story. No, no, well, too, uh, but I, 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 they all I think there's reason to to be skeptical of everything in here, and one <laughs> of the reasons is because of how wrong the villagers are all the time, mm. right? So if they are always getting it wrong, maybe they got it wrong from the beginning. Is it possible that the the Cotters, the witch? couple who are disrespected by other people in the community and blamed for uh, missing cats in the community is it possible that they are just being sacrificed in as in you know anything goes wrong in the community you blame them and then when a little boy's cat goes missing I mean I would blame coyotes before I'd blame a couple down the street right? <laughs> coyotes are a serious issue for cats, dogs, chickens um, they, they do it and they do it, you know, you let your cat out at night and you'll never see it again if you're living in a place where coyotes are. So why are they blaming this couple? In real life, my experience is that when, you know, somebody gossips in my ear saying, you know, the reason that crime happened locally is because of that person over there who's disreputable and also criminal. I think he's a thief. And I'm like, oh, really? Um, my stuff was stolen. I'm going to call the cops. So I call the cops and I argue with them until they have to come down, you know, and deal with me. <laughs> and when they do and they investigate, they say, yeah, there's a, it's baseless. It's just gossip. Mm-hmm. Now, if that's the case, then the villagers sicked this little boy and his magic, his, uh, communi- his love for his cat. The, and and all the gods on that couple, and they got eaten, even though they were innocent. Now I don't think that that's the main way people are reading the story, but I, the fact that they I, make so many mistakes. Why would the gods, indeed, uh, be so gullible to be sick on a innocent couple? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, are, the, are the gods that gods that valuable that they could be tricked into? cursing an innocent couple but uh, is it the case sure. that the 
But is it the case that the gods actually did much on you know in this story? They show up in the sky, right? Um, they they do listen to the little boy, but the little boy is getting his information not from investigating their house at night like Scooby Doo style. He just hears it. He just hears it from, or you know, there's no Nancy Drew activity following the clues. He just hears it from a villager, and he takes it as gospel, and then he tells the god what he gods what he wants. And what is what did they get? Punishment. I think you've written like the sequel to the, the this follow up to the Cats of Also, where you add like another four pages, and and the real story <laughs> is the gods fucked up, right? I mean that that's what you're you're really calling you're really calling into the possibility of the fallibility of div- the divine, and that's a whole other well, we another exciting sequel to Cats of Well, Lord. I mean that's the Greek gods every day of the week, right? <laughs> 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 like, yeah, well, that's a that's a that's a different pantheon. Entirely. Well, I'm not, but again, what is the boy asking? Is he telling the whole story? I think that couple ate my 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 cat, my kitty cat, or is he just saying I want vengeance? Give me vengeance. And since he's a devotee, as are all the people in that community, notice that they his parents were already dead, right? And yet the community is caring for him, and they give him a little cat, I guess. And, you know, they show up in town, they do their, their, uh, fortune telling. Apparently that, you know, it had value or something. And then they leave. The cat's missing. He calls, calls forth. It's, it's almost like a storm, right? Storm clouds of. Yeah. The gods in the sky. So I'm not sure you have to say that the gods are fallible here as much as the gods are, are obedient to those who believe in them. And obviously that does not fit with with um, Lovecraft's aesthetic, but you don't have to believe that he believed it, right? Because he uses, you know, such things all the time. But more importantly, this is what's uh, Evan. You always use this phrase, a vernacular tradition, or something like that, right? Break it down for us. What does it mean? Well, it's just, I guess, non-institutionalized religions and beliefs. Uh, but what, what vernacular is passed on aren't tied to any kind of it's not passed on by books though right religion. it's passed on by words is that right yeah that's literally that's, what it means i guess why i use vernacular it's passed on i mean but, this is but you don't have a like the cthulhu myth or the cthulhu cult is is one of these right it's something yeah they don't have a, t- well, a text underground and hidden but it's but the common people seem to know about it right that's but they don't learn about it through a book, right? So even though the Necronomicon exists in this world or whatever, maybe not in this particular part of Lovecraft's universe, but they don't, you know, they don't have a, like, the esoteric order of Dagon, I, I believe they have, like, some metal plates or something that they pass around and or some priest consults, right? Whereas with a vernacular uh, tradition, it's all, like, it's basically what we think of as folktales before they get written down. It's grandma telling you a story she heard when she was a little girl, and you pass it down to your grand grandkid. Right? So the story changes over the years, but the story is always true in for what it's doing, which is telling something. And what's so interesting about this is we go right up to the beginning there. I'm going to read the opening sentence uh, again. Just notice the language. It is said that in Ulthar, which lies beyond the river Sky. S-K-I, S-K-A-I, right? 
there's no such river. I know Jason put one on the map, <laughs> the big map of the Dreamlands, which I do appreciate. And obviously, it's like idle days on the Yan, right? The Yan River in Dunsany. Um, not a river on Earth, but the river sky, it's no accident. It's S-K-A-I as opposed to S-K-Y. Because this river sky makes us look up at the sky and think of it like uh, a river, mm. right? Sk- sky also reminds me of uh, one of the worlds in Gene Wolfe's The Wizard Knight series, which is nine worlds. The world above Midgard is sky. Of course, right? And so uh, the, the, then we get the line, no man may kill a cat. Well, what about women? Oh, he includes them, right? <laughs> and this I can verily believe as I gaze upon him who sitteth purring before the fire. So this cat is male, but maybe he's speaking of the whole species as male as well, right? The the cat. So there's a guy, the narrator, who's at the beginning of the story. And Jason, you do not depict this narrator. We don't see, unless it's at the end, right? No, I, I, no, I, I, you know, but that cat is. There, uh, I, I made that invisible. That's I. I, I did. I want. You, you have to make choices, of course. Story. But yeah. the very last, the very last image is of the cat that is the one that's lying at the beginning. I think, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. there, so who are we, the people listening to this story? Are we somebody who shows up uh, in the dreamlands and uh, you say, "Oh, uh, hey, have you heard of that town called Ulthar? And the guy says. Uh, it is said that in Althar, right? Like, and he just tells well, the story. I think that, you know, I mean, as, as y'all were saying earlier, I mean, I, the existence of the Dreamland is kind of retconned. It was mm-hmm. kind of retconned into existence around Kadath time, right? Because right. Kadath takes all these previous stories from his Dunsany period and uh, sort of shoves them together into a, a sort of a cosmos. But I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, but um, I mean, but all, whether Althar takes place in some distant past, La La Land, or whether it takes place in a dream, La La Land is, is, is questionable, I think. Um, but, uh, and actually, Jesse, you made me realize that if, that if only the tree had been had been set in some made-up La La Land instead right. of ancient Greece, I would have totally be all of it all over that story. And right. I, you know, would have read it 20 <laughs> times by now. Right. But, um, but I feel that it's, uh, I mean, you know, we're just supposed to accept the existence of these imaginary places as if they were next door in this case, because there's no... Um, I mean, you know, there's no, I mean, I think, and that's the fairy tale, that's part of the fairy taleishness of it all, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, um, you don't have to get into it like, well, by the way, there's another dimension and you, you know, or you don't <laughs> have to get into any kind of explanation. It's just, it's just all, you know, we, it's part of the realm of myths, but we are also in the realm of myths. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was long ago and far away. Yeah. As many fairy tales say. So you don't need to worry about those details. And I don't think it's really important who the narrator is or who the narrator is supposed to be talking to. I mean, well, it's just. I mean, it usually story. is, though, right? Like in in most Lovecraft stories, who then like he doesn't. One of the things I know, like I was I was trying to bring this up earlier, but I I believe it's about four pages in when you have the wagon, top of the fourth page in or fifth page in, you have the wagon leaving the town, right? The last of the wagons of the travelers, right? Mm-hmm. But I believe that they actually learn leave the town uh, about halfway through. Is it halfway through, or is it only a third of the way through the story? So they they show up, they do their thing, and then the rest of the story, it's almost like a, a tour of 
Innsmouth. We we sort of wander around meeting all these uh, villagers, the burgers, right? I'm like, well, why why are you telling why are you telling me all their names, right? But that's the that's kind of like we can see it coming, I think. <laughs> um, but uh, just look at the list of of characters that show up. It's it's like he is trying to. I I know he does this thing where it's a, sustaining a, a mood, right? But here it's almost like he's trying to tell us something about what the purpose of this law is. So uh, it it's ends and begins the same way in that in namely that in Ulthar no man may kill a cat. Why? Because if you kill a cat um, the gods will come down and eat you? Is that right? Or is it because cats are dangerous and they'll eat you? Or, like, wh- why is that the message? The burgers passed a law, right? They, they passed um, a law after this, right? After this incident. This becomes a folk belief, I think. That's how I read it. Yeah. Now, um, the thing is, is people do kill cats, right? Um, especially when they are, you know, they give birth to a bunch of uh, babies, baby cats, and their mouths to feed, and they're going to have more babies, and et cetera, et cetera. And we have horrible stories about people taking them down into the river in a bag and throwing the bag in the river, and then somebody saving them. It's almost like uh, the story of uh, Moses, right? <laughs> um, in a certain way. The, the, the fact that we've got rivers and we've got these cats means that it has this sort of Egyptian quality. Why do the Egyptians mm. want them? They have, they have, um, all these, I mean, Egypt was the breadbasket for, uh, for Rome, right? The only for reason, the only reason everybody wants to have Egypt is because it's an endless source of food. So and food is wealth. And how do you keep the food going? You make sure the the mousers, and they're even specifically called out here, as opposed to the pets, right? The ones we keep inside. Um, The mousers are out there doing their job, which is eating the rodents that'll eat your grain. So, if it is a if it is a myth, I think it's like propaganda. (laughs) Like Lovecraft is, uh, what do they call it? I don't know all these terms, but I believe the the correct. I'm guessing now. Okay, Evan or Paul maybe can tell me what a stan is. S T A N. But Lovecraft is a cat stan. I don't know what a <laughs> yeah. I don't know what a stan is, but yeah. I, I it's like is somebody you will always defend. Is that what? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So like he he wrote lots and lots of poems and stories with cats in them. He was a definite cat fan. He didn't hate dogs, but you know it's not the dogs of Ulthar. Because what would the do- what the dogs would be barking at stuff? They would be barking at the strangers, right? They'd be good dogs, Jesse. I don't know. Uh, see, I think that that, that it's like what do, what do dogs do? They're police. You know, there's no police cats. Yeah, good dogs bark. It's, That's it's what they do. They bark them. and they bark when they're strangers. Trust me, I've been spent. I just spent a week hanging out with four dogs who are barking at bears. Oh, there's bears like three days a week. <laughs> This week, yeah, but and they you, bark no, constantly. The place with bears, so what do you get into? And and coyotes, and they, you know, they they're there to protect the property, keep strangers away, keep the chickens from getting eaten, keep the trees from getting ravaged by hungry bears, right? Mm-hmm. So when when Lovecraft's, you know, he's 
writing his many, many odes to cats and talking about all his cat, his cat love in his letters. Um, it's him doing propaganda for cats. And I, I think that there's like a kind of, um, this is kind of like a wish fulfillment story in a certain sense. It's not just a dream that he had. It's like, yeah, no man may kill a cat. Nothing worse than killing cats. Let this couple who had nothing to do with it <laughs> get eaten. That's fine. Just as long as, you know, the people pass a law that says, you know, cause that tiny black kitten was, was gone missing. I mean, well, clearly love to Lovecraft a cat life is worth more than a human life. It clearly That's demonstrable through many of his stories. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with this. Sorry. It's okay. I, I I just think it's interesting that the the roving folk, the Egyptians in all but name, right? They come into the story that with this, um, you know, they're essentially magic. They they do their magic show for people. You know, that's their trade, I guess. This kid loses his cat. As people are want to do, you know, Evan, you have a story about losing your cat. Yeah, I do. You know, and you might think the neighbor later stole your cat, but that's probably not what happened, right? And so that's why I'm like, uh, just knowing how devious Lovecraft can be about planting sort of psychology. Like, if you think about what's going on in the rats in the walls, there's a cat in there, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about his name. I'm just talking about like it's a story about uh, rats, and there's a cat in it. Um, I, I'm not even going to bring up the name because I don't need the the heat from my podcast crew. But the important part is in that story. At the end of the story, what's his name? The guy who rebuilds his castle. Can't remember. Delapore. Delapore. Yeah. yeah. Delapore. Yeah. What does he do? He literally eats another man. Right, which is something that we're told you know cats can do uh is eat people, I mean right in this story, and he's still defending them he's a love he lovecraft is a cat stan, so wait, um, but in the end of rats in the walls, the cat's tearing at his throat, so I mean the cat. The cat, I mean, also in the rats in the walls. To, to expand this discussion, whole yes. other story, the cats. It's like a isn't it a swarm of cats that that uh ultimately? I guess no, it's a swarm of rats. It's a swarm of rats. Everything, but he, but I, yeah, the cat. It's the hero because the cat is uh the one that's scratching at his throat because it's like you're crazy, man. You're you're even you know I'm I'm I as the cat. Yeah. I will not support this cannibalism. Yeah, and uh, and uh, knowing, um, look. The reason I'm approaching this story this way, and I'm, I, 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 I probably feel that I've derailed this in a, a large way. I do this a lot. I'm sorry about that. But I'm just thinking about like the Black Cat by Edgar Allan Poe. It's if you read it just like not carefully, you might not notice that the guy's fucking insane. But more importantly, he's blaming everything in his life that went wrong on a cat. Which is ridiculous, you know? You can't say your house burned down because of a cat, and you killed your wife because of a cat, and you drink too much because of a cat. It's not reasonable. And yet that's the name of the story, right? You go to the raven, right? He's talking endlessly, endlessly about this raven. Turns out it's not even a raven. It's untrustworthy. So 
knowing that Lovecraft is working on a psychological level, is this story as simple as it seems? Because if it is, why does it take so long to get to the point? I mean, it's short, I know, but why does it take so long to get to the point of, I think, which is really obvious. Everybody knows what happened to those cats when they come back hungry, uh, with their bellies full, right? Don't they? Did it come to us as a surprise to any of you when you first read it? No, it, it wasn't surprising. It is kind of telegraphed that yeah, right? the cats are going to put them what for. Just, just the how and the why. It takes. It's what. like so obviously put together that way that I'm like, maybe this is an untrustworthy story in the way that others of his have been. No, okay, you don't have to buy it. I, I'm neutral. I'm fine with that reading. I, I, I didn't go back and listen way. to your podcast on it. Um, I did listen to some other people's, but I did not listen to yours. What did you? What do you remember? Saying about it the first time, I talk mostly about the the these these the witchcraft stuff and the 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 gypsies from that that angle of it. So the the, the townspeople are just I mean, dumb. I didn't, I didn't break it down as an untrusted narrator. Narrator. The town's talked a little bit about the the that this is like a like the burgers passed a law. I remember talking a little bit about that. Oh, uh, it's it's kind of it's not it's not a law, right? It's just a Folk so I, I remember no police arresting people for right for killing cats. I think I talked a little bit about that kind of stuff, but I, I remember um, trying to understand what scarabs were because I know they're really important. But I think when the reason I don't know is because really we don't know why scarabs, the which are little amulets, right, that are placed yeah. inside the bodies of of mummy wrappings, not inside the bodies, inside the wrappings. Right, and they're very popular, like tradable item. You know, you can give somebody a Christmas gift in the 19th century. Give them some Egyptian scarabs, right? <laughs> Which is like you know, kind of ghoulish and all that stuff. But we, I think, we don't yeah, know well, why that's they're there. Part of the whole Egyptology, Egypt mania that mm-hmm. started started with the started in the early 19th century and went up and then down and came up up again and towards the end, late 19th century, there was another wave of Egypt. There's kind of like two waves of that through the 19th century. But why do they show up in this story? Um, I think I, it's... Oh, sorry. Right. I, I think it's just another Egyptism, to be honest. I okay. feel that's the most obvious answer. Is that he yeah, I, like I agree that it, it's... an thing we can get in here. It is definitely Egypty, and he doesn't call them scarabs. He calls them singular, as Paul pointed out earlier, right? Right. But the, but they're clearly scarabs. Also, scarabs... I mean, we've, we've all seen the 1999 mu- Mummy movie by now. Scarabs sure. are kind of associated with eating of the dead and of the gods right. of Egypt... And and of protectors of the afterlife and cat cats in Egyptian mythology, so it makes perfect sense that scarabs would show up. It's like it's it's all it's all of a piece. I, I, I because 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 they found they found these the, in in actual tombs that had not been looted. They found these ornately carved scarabs with mummies. So the Egyptians believed that this was there was a strong connection here that. They needed to have these heart scarabs in with the mummies, so it it works. It works with the whole it on the the 
how would it? It's almost like a cleansing of the evil of what they did. Mm. It's like so the, the abs are carrying away their e- carrying away the evil of. I mean, going back to my theory about what happens to the spirits of the of these two of these uh, two uh, of this couple if this is the dreamlands and not not on Earth. It's like so it's, the scabs are kind of like a yeah. cleansing mechanism. Yeah, I think you're I think you're onto something there. Um, at the beginning of the tree. I I'm, no, I'm comparing it to not everybody's read this story probably. Um, it's it's absolutely not a memorable story um, because it it doesn't. You just say uh huh at the end like why did I read that right? Which is not normally the case when you read Lovecraft. Usually it's like oh my god you asshole or oh that's so beautiful <laughs> right? You don't say uh huh. Um, so there's a quote at the beginning in Latin. It's fata viam invenient uh, or invent. Invenient, which translates to fates will find a way, um, which is like a key to unlocking the story. And I'll just read the opening of that one. It says, On a verdant slope of the Mount, uh, Mount Menelaus in Arcadia, there stands an olive grove about the ruins of a villa. Close by is a tomb, once beautiful and with the sublimest of sculptures, but now fallen into as great a decay as the house. At one end of the tomb its curious roots displacing the time-stained blocks of pentilic marble grows in a naturally large olive tree of oddly repellent shape. Um, and then, skip down ahead. Um, uh, but an old beekeeper who lives in the neighboring cottage told me a different story. Now, then this the story of where that tomb came from and how, at the end of the story, what's really funny is it's a, it's a sculpting contest. Um, some foreign king says, I want the best statue of some goddess, uh, Taiki, I think. Um, and they, they go at it at, in their respective, um, or, or no, their shared studio. They have a shared studio. And we're seeing it all from the outside. We never see them actually in the studio, but the townspeople report on what they were doing. Because they see how happy they are or how sad they are. Or in one case, they see one of them getting sick and then they note that the other is doting on the other because they're such good friends, right? And then um, we get this, the story of the fall where one dies, the other, uh, the other um, gets to now hand in his assignment because his is going to be completed and... You know, there's only one contestant left for this contest to be the greatest sculptor of, of the age. And then both sculptures are destroyed by the collapsing of a tree. And then we get a bit about how, uh, oh, the king who set up this contest in the first place, he just goes to some other sculptor, right? And then here's the ending. Tegeans that... Uh, Sorry. However, the Syracusans obtained after a while a very splendid statue in Athens, and the Tegeans consoled themselves by erecting in the Agora a temple commemorating the gifts, virtues, and brotherly pieties of Musades. So these two artists, um, Musades and uh, I can't remember the other guy, Kalos, one gets his inspiration from the city and uh, partying with humans, and the other gets his inspiration from going out in the woods and hanging out with the Penisci, right? One gets his uh, education from uh, the city. The other gets his education from the countryside. And one is better than the other. Um, 
we we know this if we follow the story carefully. At the end, it says, this is the last paragraph, but the olive grove still stands, as does the tree out of the tomb of Kalos. And the old beekeeper told me that sometimes the boughs whisper to one another in the night wind, saying over and over again, Oida, Oida, which is, I know, I know. So I'm like, what the fuck do you know? <laughs> you don't know anything, right? So we're getting a story, right? And since Lovecraft is all about hiding the truth, what what's the story? The the white ape, aka uh, what's it called Arthur German? Uh, yeah, Arthur. Uh, the, what facts of the case of Arthur German or something like that, and his family. <laughs> I love that story. What's he do to hide the truth? He burns him. He burns the present that came in the mail and himself to death to hide the truth. Which is, you know, his monkey, his grandma was a monkey, which is hilarious to me, but you know, it's all, you know, <laughs> it's Lovecraft being racist, but it's all about hiding the truth. And in this story, everything's on the surface. So that's why I'm Je- so skeptical. Je- of Je- it. Jesse, are you disappointed that it, a shallow is not quite the right word? It, that, that this story isn't as, doesn't show the depths that other Lovecraft stories. I'm not. Do, I, I'm. Appear to do? It's Are possible. You in that? No, I think it's possible that I'm not getting it, and I think you're. You guys are not getting it either. If if that's true, but there's sometimes the key. You know, like. Sometimes, sometimes things are straightforward, even in a Lovecraft story, Jesse. I don't know. Is is that true? Is there another story that's as straightforward as this one? Other than like, uh, like the one I mentioned, the old wicked clergyman, which is literally just a dream written down. It, it was never intended for publication. He just wrote down his dream and and sent it off to a friend in a letter. Right? Can you think of a, a story that is half as uh, half more again as complex than this one? That you know is this anywhere as simple? I don't think there is. I know the street. The, okay, <laughs> I don't know. Tell me about. I, actually, I think like statement of Randolph Carter is that's pretty straightforward. Again, that is from a dream, but he did do that one for publication. But it can, it's also got the pretty obvious twist right at the end. Yeah, which is I think the payoff there, and it's uh, it's one I often recommend for people to start with. But I think you get more of a taste for the, you know it's it's one it's definitely a very simple story, but. This I think, one, I, like Whisper in Darkness, is pretty straightforward too. All right, it, I, I think it takes its time getting there, though. I mean, it's long. I mean, the only like even in at the Mountains of Madness, the only thing that's really you're left really pondering and can be interpreted is is what that the friend was seeing, what he saw that drove him mad. Or or, or think about what's the what's the one um, you know like most of the time with. Uh, the lurking fear, right? There, you have to pay attention to note that the narrator has the eyes of the family he's investigating, right? Right. <laughs> it's mentioned once, I think. Um, and you sort of have to start noticing that, you know, he's always looking for beefy guys to help him. And it's not because he thinks that they, they can fight him off as much as on, a, on another level, he just needs a lot of meat. <laughs> right? There's a kind of like a, a an undercurrent there. That takes us to where he wants to go. So, in 
what's an, what's another like oh, we were going to talk about um the uh the high strange high house in the mist one of the reasons i i i really want to do that one is cuz i don't really understand it like it's 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 fairly simple guy goes up <laughs> up a mountain right um sees some weird shit um and um and that's the end of the story right but a lot of weird stuff happens a lot of weird mm-hmm. stuff happens and it's it's, that one's definitely not straightforward. It's not straightforward, yeah. but it's simple in the same in the sense that you know it's like it's a linear narrative, <laughs> and I, I don't remember how it's told. But he, this guy's a master of writing. So why does he have this you know sort of outside frame? It seems kind of like we're not supposed to trust what we're being told here. And if that is the case, then that couple gets murdered. Is what is what I'm thinking. Was this one of the stories that Lovecraft liked till the end of his life? I don't know. He, did he get tired of it later? I don't know. Because he was very picky about his own work, and I wasn't sure. And um, Yeah. I mean, you can't trust him. He's like Philip, yeah, he, Philip K. Yeah, Dick yeah, is way Wikipedia worse. Says Philip K. Dick that, that way. Wikipedia says that the Cats of Altar was a personal favorite of his. He is oh, definitely okay. a cat and propagandist. And Josie in, yeah. in yeah. saying that. Yeah. Probably said it in a letter or something. Maybe it is yeah, just. I'm sure he did. Maybe well, it is he just does that simple. He talk about cats a lot. In yes, true. I mean, he's always ta- talking about you know going for walks in the forest and having cats follow him along, and it, it's you'd be hard pressed to not find a story that doesn't have a cat in it somewhere. Even if it's just One of my favorite letters about cats were after he moved to the college street address uh-huh. uh, in Providence, like. It was like gang of cats, feral cats living on his roof or something. Right. He like gives them all names and like imagines the society for them. It's a pretty fun letter. Yeah. No, I would have. I wish the, the Dunsany and Lovecraft had uh, met each other just so that Dun- Lovecraft would probably have to like bite his tongue as, as Dunsany. Yeah, on it's the dog guy. Dogs. That's you right. Because I, mean, I feel Lovecraft would have been too. Too uh, deferential to say anything against dogs while Dunsany was there, and I'm a dog owner myself. Yeah, so. yeah. I think Jason. I think we talked about that Dunsany novel that's uh, about a priest who used to be a dog in his former life. <laughs> oh yeah, I love the movie version. Of that. Yeah, I've it's never really read the novel. Uh, Dean Spanley, it's called. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the movie version. I haven't read the book either, but um, I've read about it, and it, it's hilarious. He, he, that's that's why you know like they're so close is they both really have a good great sense of humor um and when you read uh what i think are sort of the equivalent of dunsany in lovecraft you know idle days on the yen obviously but um all the stories of the book of wonder are essentially like this right there's like a uh a centaur who gets really, really randy. <laughs> and he runs across, it's on page long, right? And he runs across all, all this dreamland style, uh, terrain, you know, stopping for water every five minutes, uh, every five days or something. And he gets to the city and he finds, uh, I think it's called Bride of the Man Horse. Mm-hmm. And he gets, he gets to the city and he's like, yep, you're my wife. And he grabs her by the hair and runs off. And that's the whole story. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> It was just about like it's the getting there that's the fun part. The uh 
the literal grabbing a lady by her hair and running it's, off with her. It, it's the ending that didn't age well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 a comedy piece, right? He's not <laughs> trying to suggest that's how men should court women. <laughs> it's saying, like, that's how centaurs uh, get their brides. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, it's true that... Um Cath of Altar, it's so, yeah, it's very Dunsany, and, and it's one of his best Dunsany um, imitations, I think, in terms of style. Yeah, maybe that's what it um, is. It's just it's just so much like that. Yeah. And it, it is the same length, you know, like, I'm saying that Bride of the Man Horse is one page. It's one page in a magazine, um, but they had smaller font back then, right? So it's it's probably about the same length of story. It you know seven eight ten minutes to read at most, and it really is one of and it's one of the stories where he doesn't go into the um he doesn't get into the ebullient detail right it's not like Sarnath where it's just like talking about tapestries and jewelry it's for, just uh, you know poetic and prose a couple of paragraphs and yeah I think he's writing them like uh, once per week right it's not like he he's he got a contract with the book uh, with I think it was uh, the Idler and he's like. Here's some here's some stories from uh, the Book of Wonder. <laughs> he just starts writing stories, and so that there are works for you know filling filling pages for the idle, the idle rich. <laughs> yeah, that is literally who the market is for, which is a completely different market than Lovecraft is selling to, and that's why you know, sure the tree gets a publication in Weird Tales, but. Uh, it's because they want people were demanding Lovecraft, and he had this story written, right? It's not like it's the ideal weird tales story. And Cats of Altar again, it's not the ideal weird tales story, is it? Mm, Doesn't make the I'll cover. Look. None of his stuff really makes the cover. Mm-hmm. But I think it is one of the more one of the straightforward and simple Lovecraft stories, and that's you know that plus the cats is why it is so. Um, you know, so well liked. Mm-hmm. What, what, which, uh, which was the first one you did? Because I'm like I, I discovered you through the um, through the poster. Which, oh, my, my, in terms of comics, in terms of that. Yeah, yeah. Was it? Because uh, I know well, you, you did a you did a Clark Ashton Smith one too. Yeah. Well, the first um, Lovecraft adaptation I did was just. Uh, Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. Wow. I did that back in my early 20s. Uh, and I didn't reprint it until, you know, until 10, 15 years later, obviously, it was through Kickstarter. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I, just love, I love Kadath so much. And it was a real a real delight to me when I read it. Um, and uh, and then, I, to me, you know, the other, and even though, of course, it's, it's sort of, a, it's a retconned cosmology, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I started doing, I, so I, you know, it felt made sense to do white ship and um, mm-hmm. uh, and cellophane. Although I'm not, I although I don't like cellophane as much as the others. It made sense to do those because they fill out the. It's beautiful to look at. Dream Quest, yeah. And I and I did, and then I also did Strange High House because I actually think just think that's an excellent story and I really like it. And Cats of Also are actually some friends invited me to uh, contribute to a cats themed comic anthology. Mm. So I, that's why I did that. And I actually drew it, and it was actually done on smaller, um, done for smaller paper than media I normally work on. So that's why it's, uh, so yeah, the, the pages that have left deep. Yeah, some, some yeah. of the, uh, I think the last page panel has, um, like four tiny little images, um, before the final panel, and none of them have text, right? 
Yeah, I did. I actually, looking at it now, I kind of regret that I'd added that this four panels. I love I, them. You know, I, it, you know, I just decided to add a little comic twist at the end where the burgers are running out of the house and uh, running out of the house and see the corpse and they see these smiling cats staring up at them. It's and, perfect. Um, you know, um, ambiguous intent, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess I could have. No, I think that's the I think that's the correct feeling that we should have at the end of this story. <laughs> it is a subversion there, right? Yeah. No I mean, man I mean, may kill a cat lest they kill us. Yeah, yeah. Who is this law for? Right. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I, uh, yeah, you got to assume that, um, I mean, clearly Randolph Carter is, is totally happy with this, this, uh, you know, this social structure. I don't know whether, how the Altarians feel about it. So. <laughs> um, uh, the other one that you've done that, uh, I, I just, I mean, they're all really good, but, uh, uh, Sarnath, Doom that came to Sarnath. Oh, yeah. Dude, that story is, it's the most dreamlandsy one, I think, in a certain sense. It's so disconnected from, I mean, it's, I guess it's mentioned in Dreamcast of Unknown Kadath, right? But it, it feels like it's the first story in a certain sense, like chronologically. It, it's before people, right? It starts yeah. before people. And, and then there's an empire built. It's, it's almost like, um, uh, he's talking to Robert E. Howard in that one. Right, he's saying, yeah, sure, civilizations go down, but another civilization gets built up on top of it, and and then the, they get pulled down again. Uh, but more importantly, they get built up and spends all his time detailing it. The, again, that's a story where the the psychology is implicit. It doesn't ex, ex, sort of tell you the way this one does. Like, what are we supposed to make of that one? I don't know why I'm changing the story, but I'm allowed. the story because you're frustrated with this story being apparently straightforward and convinced that this is a Lovecraft story and that's uncommon and therefore therefore there must be something to it, but none of us are seeing it. (laughs) Sometimes a story is just a story, Jesse, and I think that's what we have here. Here's a question for everyone. Uh, what? How do you feel that rea- readers in the 1920s and Lovecraft, you know, reacted to this cat eat a bunch of people? I mean, it, because that that level of morbidity seems totally straight. Seems totally like day to day, you know, to us. I feel. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that's like Cartoon Network fare. But was that a little? Was that extra gross for readers in the? From readers in the 1920s, or am I, or am I, am I, am I, am I pushing it here? Because of course, Pierce I, and Poe were doing really gross and creepy stuff. Yeah, because this, because the, well, this is a generation that just survived World War One and the Spanish influenza, so I think they could handle the Catzuls uh, pretty well. I think. <laughs> yeah, but, I think this is actually pretty mild uh, compared to some of the pulps that I have read. <laughs> what do yeah. you think, Evan? Pardon, Evan. Oh. We're calling. Yeah. We're calling on Evan. What do you think? Is this too gross? No. Well, we read that uh, Wastelands book. So I think right. The this W. Scott the Poole whole theme book. of that book was how poor really had its birth after World War One. Huh. Okay. So, uh, who is that? Scott Poole. W. Scott Poole. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a that's a pretty solid book, I think, and it's it's pretty convincing. That's a lot of examples. Yeah, it, you can it see it in like connections. the modernist art from that era. Just, you get like the symbolists and mm. doing weird stuff and more grotesque things. 
if anything, I think we're we're moving away from that. Right? Yeah, grotesque. Yeah. Like we reviewed a book not long ago called uh, "The Troop," mm-hmm. and a lot of the reviews of that book. You know, we can debate how good that book was. I think we did, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of the reviews I remember were emphasizing like how the violence was over the top and going too far. Mm. The grotesqueness yeah. of it was was a little too much for a lot of modern readers. Well, what's interesting very, is, yeah. It's a little much more PG-13 than it. Uh, I mean, mm, Yeah, I agree, actually. It's... Uh, this is not supposed to be a horror story, I don't think. It has horrible stuff in it, but if you look at, like, the original fairy tales, the folk tales, the household tales... Um, there's random people getting, you know, all sorts of horrible things happening to them. And it's just as graphic, right? It's not literally shown. Um, Jason, your picture has them with very sharp canines. Are you suggesting they are more than just humans? Uh, yeah, I kind of was. I mean, I wanted to lean into the ogre thing, like I was saying, ah. right? I kind of, to be honest, I really kind of wanted to add another, um, I wanted to add more magic to the story, right? Because it's a fairly straightforward story. But I, but I felt I wanted to do, I wanted to drag out anything that was science, linger or science fiction that, that I could I could out of it, right? So I by actually having the figures appear in the clouds and right, then, that's that's beautiful. And actually, and I actually wanted the old couple to be monsters because you know if if uh, because it's sad if they're it's a little sad if they're just an old couple like <laughs> cats. So why not just totally demonize them and make them the literal demons? So mm-hmm. um. So, yeah, I, I went in that direction. Although I don't know if it's technically supported. But they are supposed to be really scary. What's, what's so amazing when I, when I, I'm just paging through back and forth here. Um, you just like put in so much detail. You know, like I love Sergio Aragones because you can look at his pictures. You know, it's like Where's Waldo, right? You know, it's like uh, his splash page is like amazing. But you put in like they've, above the uh, little boy Menes, um, you've got all the gods in the sky, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, there's that, uh, alligator god and, <laughs> um, Bast is in the back and some guy with a, with a, what's that? Some nemes on, <laughs> right? But then down in the bottom, beside the crying boy, there's a mug. It's one of those German Bierstein sort of things, right? And on top of that, there's like a monster <laughs> and on, uh, carved into it are sort of people like him, you know, lady who's sort of right beside him. And inside that jar that he's holding, there's got to be beer, which is also what they're making with the, those, you know, crops. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I mean, it, it just makes sense. I was going for a, um, I was kind, of, I was going for a, a, a pseudo Germanic, you know, your look for a, uh, for Altar. Um, yeah, it, it, it's got the because there there's burgers and there's all and yeah you know, there's. There's all this uh, sort of uh, the language for all use for altar is fairly uh, is fairly European. Absolutely, but the kid is he's got the curls of a of an Egyptian or something, and you know they've got onks everywhere. Right? Yeah, I, I really I mean I mean I, I just um yeah it's, well when I was doing Dream Quest I don't remember why because it was a long time ago but it was, I decided to uh, you know use or abuse the onk as the symbol of the uh, the you know the great ones. Yeah, it's not. Uh, what, it's it's not, also an Egyptian yeah. symbol, so it works. So it, it, it originally is an Egyptian symbol, so it does double duty in the story. And and uh, once this page three, there's like a panel on the bottom left hand where we see two 
gods. One's Ibis or something, you know, one of those, uh, bird-headed gods. And the staff is not an ankh. It's like, it's, it looks like a mouth, an open mouth with teeth. Oh, yes, yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's foreshadow, it's all for, what, what's really cool is, is Lovecraft foreshadows in his stories by it's it's a magic spell, right? He's casting a spell using the language. Then he uses this technique of repetition. So we have the beginning and the end being a symmetric symmetrical thing. But you can do that in imagery, in the, and I'm not just saying you in <laughs> in specifics, but as a, an artist can do that in the imagery in sequential art in a way that you know you can't do. I guess you can do it in movies too. Uh, but it has to be a movie, not like a TV show. It doesn't work as well. <laughs> it's spread out over years, right? But, um, you know, all the animals are playing, you know, little cutesy roles. And it's a cutesy story. And we're so happy to be spending time with this boy. And then we get that, you know, couple of burgers going and doing a wellness check on a couple. <laughs> and finding horrible bones and cat skins all over the walls. And, like... It's supposed to be, it, that's a kind of horror that it, it's, it doesn't classify as a fantasy or horror or, you know, obviously not science fiction in this case. But he's working in a mode and, uh, I, I really like that somebody gets it and, and that's you. In, oh, thank you. I don't see, like, I, I read a lot of these comics and I don't see people getting it in the way you do. I don't know why that is. Maybe you had some terrible trauma as a youth that uh, screwed you up the way uh, Lovecraft got screwed up. But uh, I mean, you also have the the ability to show it. In well, uh, I love uh, you know. Thank you very much. I mean, yeah, I haven't had the time to do a lot of art lately, but I've been working hard on my uh, my Dreamland role playing. Game. Yeah, that, that'll be my uh, that'll be my my Dreamland uh, return to the Dreamlands uh, when that comes out. Hopefully. Um, I, I'm going to mention another panel. Uh, well, I guess it's page two. We get to see the Cotters with the, with their giant noses and their blank eyes and, you know, their implements <laughs> and the beautiful scroll work on their, uh, their gate, which looks like if you look at it long enough, you start seeing eyes and squids and stuff in it, right? But the one in the bottom right hand corner, um, that it comes from the line, for the people of Althar were simple and knew not whence all cats first came. Um, <laughs> which we are told uh, in that editorial introduction is the Godhead, right? Uh, created by a, a Godhead. I'm assuming that this means Bast in particular, but this story doesn't really dwell on that and never mentions Bast in particular. But you've made a, a, a visual choice here. And, uh, uh well, if you look at the, if you, if everybody's looking at this and you zoom in real close, it looks like there's three cats, but there's actually four suckling from this dragon, beast, hydra, what, whatever it is, right? Over on the far right, it's very hard to see, but over on the far right is, uh, a sphinx. Yeah, I, um, now I have to say, I was really think I was thinking, when I drew this, I was thinking of an image that I, um, it really stuck with me as a child, and I'm going to find it and throw it into mm-hmm. the uh, the chat. Um, let's see if I can. Can I do this? Okay, there we go. Uh, yeah, there's um, 
there's a drawing in 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 the, the All Eras book of Greek myths, which is a children's book from the 1950s that, that I had when I was growing up. Um, by I forget there's there there are a couple who did um, who are illustrators called uh, D Dallaire, a French name. I can't don't know if that's the correct pronunciation, but um, they did wonderful illustrations of the Greek and Norse myths, and in the uh, the illustration of the Greek myths, there's a scene where they show, show Echidna, the mother of monsters. And Echidna is, um, I just put it in chat. Echidna mm-hmm. is this, um, and basically they say that, oh, the gods defeated the Titans, but then they let Echidna, the mother, leave and go hide in her cave so that she could give birth to the monsters that would be the, to, to challenge future heroes. And I always loved that illustration. So Echidna is depicted as a sort of weird slug woman with her yeah. all these, um, monsters nursing from her, like the hi- baby Hydra and the baby, um, the baby Sphinx, I think. She doesn't um, look too happy about it. it yeah, she <laughs> doesn't look, look to be a happy mom. Let's see. So, well, she got exiled to a cave. No wonder she's not happy. Yeah, that, that's 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 no that's no place to raise a child, much less six children. Not to mention, let's see, the Hydra and the Nemean get killed by Hercules. The Chimera gets killed by, I believe it's Bellerophon. The Sphinx gets killed by Oedipus. Cerberus, well, he. He has a happy ending. He gets to be the guard dog for Hades. Hey, services as they. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, I wasn't sure. They're old. No, and, I'm not and, sure. I'm, and late on, I don't remember offhand what happens to late on. I actually have to Google what happens to late on. And the me and lion, that's Hercules, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Hercules, Hercules gets gets two. Oh, late on is also Hercules. Okay. That was the, that. No, 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 no. Um, yeah. So, he was killed by a bone arrow by Hercules. Yep. So Hercules kills three of them. So, so, Akina has really got good beef to be hating of hate to Hercules because she killed half her children. Yeah, and and that suckling didn't go very easy. Like these cats suckling on on this creature, right? There's no nipples there, or if they are, they're being very badly bitten. I think. I mean, I'm the main. I mean, does not have drawn them properly, but uh, yeah. I mean, that, that was my intention, anyways. Is that this? We have this. Um, is it maybe there's some? I don't really know what Lovecraft was implying with that line. We do not. We, we, they knew not whence it is all cats first came. But I just decided to go for the tentacle monster. In this case. So clearly, there's some cat-like tentacle. You're definitely creature, right. The mother, the mother of the mother of cats and all the you know. Uh, well, considering how offering. cats can squish and contort and lengthen their bodies, I kind of can see the uh, uh, tentacle descent there. <laughs> and 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 they're doing that. Uh, you know, I hand raised a puppy last year, right? And they're Aww. doing that paw that pawing uh, thing. So, like when you're baby bottle feeding a baby puppy, it 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 can only take it at certain angles. But what they want to do is they want to put their paws on you. And sort of run them up and down, which is like, give me milk, give me milk. Sort of an Aww. instinctive thing. And you've got the, them doing that here. But I, I feel like that they're, they're, it's black and white. So I'm, I added blood when I colored it in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but they're, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're sucking you dry here, but you, you have to love them anyways, right? Because they're your, your offspring. And uh, the other th- weird thing about, you know, like raising a puppy like that, as opposed to cats. I've never done that. Um, in order to make them uh, go to sleep properly, you have to make them poo and pee. And the way their moms do it, 
They lick their genitals until they poo and pee. And then they swallow it. <laughs> Which I was not willing to do. <laughs> so we use different, different equipment. But of course that's, of course that's how they do it. Because they have to keep their nest clean, right? So just think of all the, you know, we think the motherhood is difficult uh, <laughs> for humans. Imagine if you're a cat. Gosh, you got to respect them. Oh, and the, you know, they get you get to, but you get to carry your kids around by this the skin That's on the back right. of their necks. That's what I always. That's what always impressed me about cats. Um, is it how they can do that? Yep, and it usually doesn't break the skin either, right? It's very, it's firm but gentle. Aw. <laughs> This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. I think we're pretty close to done. I'm not quite sure where to go from that. I don't know. Well, maybe we can yeah. talk about scheduling something else, but I think we're pretty close to done on this one. You know, yeah, I wonder what. It's too bad Lovecraft never had any notes on the other weird versions of mutant cats that he had in mind for his cosmology, maybe. Like mm. the cats of Saturn and mm. Dreamcraft that are implied. Um, so, you know, but, uh, but yeah, there's no description. Who knows? It's all, everything beyond that is just Call of Cthulhu, the role-playing game. So it's, uh. Yeah. And, uh, and I think they get a lot right, but they also, uh, they can't do some things that you can do in just reading the stories. Uh, yeah. It turns, it turns, it turns it into a gamification thing. And, and, uh, you know, it's wonderful. And so I, I wanted to hear more about your, cause you've been playtesting your Dreamlands game. Um, it, you've also got a drawing game. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. This will manga yeah, game when it comes out. It'll be the third game that I've that I've done. Uh, the first two were two were two. They weren't role playing games. They were two um, creative games that me and my wife did. Uh, a manga and cartooner, and they're both games where you. Um, it's a little like Pictionary, except mm-hmm. that you produce produce comics and te- technically you are playing a comic artist and your goal is to get the most fame points possible <laughs> by um, by producing comics that fulfill your obsessions um and there's obsession cards well also you all, well, you all have to sell out you have to sell out your obsessions oh, with whatever yeah. trend is, is, is coming by and the trends constantly change oh my god you're, so it, meta it's, it's, yes it's a uh, it's my it's my commentary on the you know the art world, but um. So uh, you yeah. you're, you you could be you could answer this question definitively. Uh, one time, um, Evan made a huge mistake. I called him on it. He knows he's wrong, but you can be the judge on this. Um, Evan called what Lovecraft was doing fan service, but this is actually what you're talking about, right? You know, like uh, the obsession cards. Um, I don't know, like giant sword. <laughs> <laughs> what do they yeah, include? Kind of, yeah, sure. That would count. Giant sword, three-point landing. Um. <laughs> I think the only fan that, uh, that uh, um, sorry, Lovecraft was interested in, in serving was himself. He notoriously yeah. did not write for markets. Um. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, like, he's he's gamifying his own letters, right? He's 
giving people oh, oh, yeah, weird names. It, yeah, he's doing with wordplay and other yeah. things in his letters. But yeah, I th- I think that's all world building and stuff. But but um, obviously, people do this as sort of you know the love Lovecraft industry. Which I guess you're tangentially related to now, right? <laughs> but, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to think so. Right. I mean, yeah. at least. I've, but it's a huge. It's a huge industry, right? I mean, how many different Lovecraftian games are there? It's un, uncountable at this point, right? Unnameable. I mean, <laughs> well, well, it's, well, yeah. I, I mean, there are a lot of Lovecraft games, but the original, the original Call of Cthulhu is kind of the gold standard that every Lovecraft game either tries to emulate or run far away from, but that's kind of the one they all... Let yeah. me ask you this, Jason, since I play role-playing games a lot. So so tell me about cool. tell me about your Dreamlands role-playing game and how it works. All right, so so Dreamlands is a... It's a role-playing game where you play... You, you play dreamers. You play people who are able to... who have a dual life in the Dreamlands. Um, okay. You exist in the waking world and also, and also in the Dreamlands. Um, and I mean, I'm, I've really drawn a lot from Dunsany for it. Um, and I... I and it has Lovecraftian elements in it, but I've stripped out everything from Lovecraft that's not relevant to the Dreamlands. Because um, I feel, I honestly, I feel that the science fictional stories of Lovecraft are so different that they, yeah, it, so you it, can it's keep ghouls reconcile Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath with like Hall of Cthulhu, where humanity are insignificant worms, you know, and sure. all those. So, um, so yeah, so I mean, yeah, I mean, I wanted to, I so yeah, I went to go back to Dunsany and and. uh and also some of the other modern writers, more not modern, but more recent writers who've sort of were in a similar vein, like um, the Neverending Story mm-hmm. um, by Michael Ende and stuff. Um, but essentially, yeah, you're dreamers, and you have a you have you have it mostly takes place in the dreamlands, but you can but occasionally you'll you'll pop out into the waking world. You'll wake up, and then and then what? Depending on how um, depending on how shocking your waking was, it could um. You, you, it can affect your waking life and um, and mess you up in the waking world. Um, but sooner or later, you'll you'll return unless you're dead. You'll return to the dreamlands. So I mean, you know how in Call of Cthulhu there's sanity, of course, which mm-hmm. is right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you lose gradually lose your sanity because you see, you know, Cthulhu too much and, and you die. <laughs> but in dream, eventually, all your characters in Call of Cthulhu either go mad or die. Yeah. Yep. But in dreamlands, um, what you have, what is your primary? Um, you know what is your what you have that is your resources your memories, mm. and what you bring to Dreamland is your memories of the waking world, and they can get sort of shocked out of you, um, but you can also spend them because but they, when you spend you can spend your memories of the waking world to create things in Dreamland. Mm. That's how you that's how you perform marvels in Dreamland. Um, but if you lose but as you but if you lose your memories, then of course you uh, it affects your waking life like. How did Randolph Carter not realize all along that the city he's looking for is actually Providence? Well, he he lost his memories of, of Providence, you know, and the whole quest, his whole quest, then becomes a quest to get back what he had lost, mm. right? Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, so there, so basically, you have your um, so but you and so being in the in the dreamlands, you can uh, so that's that's the other thing you can spend you can you do in the dreamlands you can you can create monsters and and things out out of the air and uh, and so forth by spending your memories and you can also adjust reality so that things retroactively um, were always that this way dream um, logic just, yeah dream which logic. is something that also exists in the never ending story but only in the book and they only talk about it in the book the book version 
Um, but essentially, like, you know how the scenes in Dream Quest when suddenly Carter uh, remembers that he could speak uh, Night God? Oh, he didn't <laughs> mention that when he had Night Gods like 30 pages before. Well, clearly, well, clearly what had happened is that he'd, uh, he'd spent some of his memories to regain the power to speak Night God. And then he'd read, then, and then reality had reacted, had rebuilt itself after him so that he always spoke Night God. Or clearly that when Carter is on the moon and he's desperate for, he's about to die, and suddenly some cats show up out of the blue and save him clearly it was the coincidental magic that he himself conjured those cats out of the air (laughs) it just happened to be walking by Mm -hmm. um and so that's so yeah so that's the kind of so so, yeah so what's what's the core activity i mean Uh, like dungeons and dragons the core activity is kind of baked in you're going killing monsters getting treasure in call of cthulhu you're investigating strange weirdness what is what is the core activities that players and player characters in particular are going to do in your game? So you, I mean, you go on, you go on quests. You're a, you're an incredible, you're a dreamer. So you're, you have great, you have great powers. And so everyone, you know, so once, every, so, you know, you, your powers are much in demand and, you know, you have the kind of quest that you haven't done saying these stories and in fairy tales. Um, and uh, so the, and the way, and also as, as you, as you, as you create, but as you are, manipulate the world of dreams you can also um you can also cause unintentional effects uh which is known as breaking the pillars of dreamland um Mm. Uh this is something that happens when you you know when you use your dreamer powers to uh to do awesome things is you can have this 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 backlash and then you have to you know if if you're a responsible dreamer then you have to um you know you're going to be find yourself fixing the problems that you had caused uh, in previous adventures as you have uh, <laughs> as your as you had caused the city of Alsar to uh, explode or the Serenarian sea to dry up or a plague of fairies to infest the land or or so on but so make in terms of mechanics the game is um basically the game uses the, the currency of the game is wor- words um and anyway, there is some dice, but mostly it's based on word cards. And um, and what I wanted, you know, what I wanted is a game that has this Dreamlands feel of this Dunsanian language. So the the game, the core of the game is this stack of three hundred word cards, which are words of a, which are all words of a Dunsanian and Lovecraftian ilk. Oh, like, good. And, um, I want to see that word list. And so yeah, you so as as the player as a player you um you as a, the DM. You know, puts words on the table, and the players gather them to their hands. Then you can spin them to produce effects. Um, and basically, how you do this is you make little speeches. You gather, you take <laughs> the words in your hand, and you say like, and you um, uh, and you know, say you have the words like blasphemous, wonder, row, and road, and you want need, to, and you need three more points to um, feed a night gaunt. You're like a, you're like I. Then you then you can throw the words back into the pool, and you can uh, and you can say um, and you can say I um, you can say my swordsmanship is the wonder of the ages. I strike out at this blasphemous creature, and I, I leave their I leave their guts splashed across the road. And then you um and and then that is a that is not only an excuse to uh to be eloquent and to you know make a do a little you know do a little you know role-playing soliloquy but you also get points for it um <laughs> and then the words go back in the pool and they keep getting shuffled in and out i see that kind of reminds me of the jack vance role-playing game where you would have 
keywords and you get experience points if you can work that keywords into your dialogue or actions throughout the game. Yeah, yeah, The Dying Earth. I love that game. Yeah, that, that would be intrigued. That yeah. sounds all like a really interesting and fun game to play. It does sound fun. Uh, one, of, one of the problems I have with um, uh, teaching my students Dungeons & Dragons is I want them to do dialogue with each other, <laughs> you know? And they're and they're much hitting things. Yeah, yeah. Well, like uh, you know, I I want to hit them again with my with my d twenty. <laughs> no, no, no. I want you to like engage, like, um, and try not to kill so much stuff. Like, why don't you try and make <laughs> friends of these ghouls? <laughs> or, you know, friends like, with the ghouls. Yeah. So currently they uh, they just rest. Oh, we're playing um, horror on the hill. You know that one. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, and they just, uh, killed a couple of gnolls or I don't know. And, uh, there was some four Neanderthals in there and I said, you know, you don't have to attack everything. So they did some charisma rolls or something and, and, uh, now they're, they're on the team. <laughs> oh, that's great. But, um, uh, uh, one thing that does not come across great in a podcast is the art. Of course. Um, dude, uh, what's the website for the new Dreamlands role-playing game? Oh, it's dreamrpg.com. There we go. If you guys r- click on over to that, Dreamlands, Dreamland RPG? Oh, just Dream RPG. Dream RPG. Okay. Um, I don't know. You're just getting better and better, or you just spend more time on it. It just looks so great. The, it's, oh, thank look you at so the, much. look at the art, guys. Look at this art. Dreamrpg.com. Oh, it's you know, stunning. Like, don't give this guy a swelled head, but Jesus Christ, this is what I, this is my dreams, right? Look, that lady with a mask, she's got a whole bunch of idols in her hand, tattoos all over her, the big watch seller who's selling digital clocks. Oh my God. <laughs> well, there's one thing that's established in the Call of Cthulhu dream. I mean, I, I, I mean, there's the Call of Cthulhu dreamlands, and I love Call of Cthulhu, and I wouldn't have even known about a lot of the dreamlands if it wasn't for those books, but I wanted, you know, I, I didn't want to take any of that as canon, right? You know, right. because um, so the one thing that Call of Cthulhu Dreamlands establishes that, the, and then that is that the Dreamland they say the dream in their Dreamlands uh, time is like four hundred years in the past, right? Or it's two hundred to five hundred years delay, so that modern technology doesn't work in um in the Call of Cthulhu Dreamlands, and that's their explanation for why it's sort of a low tech world. But um, yeah, I don't know. I in my vision of the Dreamlands. Well, firstly, it's that it's infinite, um, and the other, the other, this, I'm going a little off field, but the other vision is um, that the Dreamlands is actually continually expanding, um, because as human dreams add more and more to it, the, the, the distance between spaces grows greater and greater, and new cities will pop up and periodically and stuff, but also just the wilderness gets greater and greater. So every, so it's sort of like it's going backwards in time, because everything is getting more and more isolated. Um, because the, the distances are growing, like the distances between the stars in our in our own universe, in our cosmological <laughs> universe, right? Only on a only on a planetary scale. And the other thing is that I felt that um, I mean, yeah, there's no reason that Dreamland has to be low tech. Um, I find that I find these kind of low tech fantasy settings, um, I find them fun, but there's no reason that. Uh, but there's no like there's nothing that says there can't be machinery and science fiction elements in the dreamlands. It's just um, I mean I, yeah I mean it's I I feel that uh you know it's like in the I I, I, feel, I mean I I feel it's you know there's 
it's sort of outnumbered. That sort of stuff is in my in my head canon. To use, to use that phrase. It, that sort of stuff is, exists, just outnumbered by the like sure. Bronze Age fantasy stuff because, um, because yeah, it's in a world which is where everything is so isolated from everything else that one that one city can have like a could have twenty first century technology and another city could be stuck in the dark ages and and um and they're just gonna get and the they're just gonna get farther farther and farther apart from one another and um um. Anyway, this is kind of good. This is kind of in, in, just turning into a cross between an existential ramble and me just rambling and talking <laughs> Dude, about my. You got a zoog. There's a zoog hiding in, in the curtain there by the, uh, what's that machine that makes you smoke? <laughs> oh, the hookah. The yeah. hookah. There's a hookah. You guys see the zoog? It's, yes. It's like, there's a zoog there. And then, like, there's a ghoul getting past something through the wall, or maybe it's a monkey. There's some lich guy hanging out behind a lady who's like sitting on by a pile of apples. Um, just the attention to the tiny, 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 tiny details is what makes me say this is going to be an awesome game because you, you can't kind of put this level of detail into something without having thought it all through, right? Like the, the lady on the far left. Yeah. She's, she's a, a Medusa. What of it? <laughs> There's we got a million different things going on. There's a kid carrying a frog coming out from behind a curtain. Um the guy with a turban, you can see his brain through <laughs> through the seal. What's going on here? Right? Well, this is where I go to get my equipment for my dream quest. <laughs> Clearly, I'm going to meet up with some NPCs and some uh, other player characters here. And oh my god, there's a guy with three swords. Where did he get all those swords? I got to find out that story, right? It's like this is awesome, green, just awesome, awesome dream stuff. I'm I mean, I hope, totally yeah, into I'm, it. I'm excited. Thank you. I mean, excited for the game to come out. We, it's actually, I mean, it's already got a publisher lined up, but I don't think it's been, it's, it's sort of been, it's sort of semi, I, I don't think, know if I should say their name. It's semi-announced, semi-not-announced. Well, this won't and come out for another seven months, probably, so. Yeah, probably not until sometime next year, yeah. yeah. Um, and but we but there's already been other writers working on it and uh, but actually and some of their work is really great and I'd love to talk about it. But um, are you doing modules? Because uh, I mean I have so many ideas for modules. I want an Edgar Allan Poe module. Oh, that'd be so cool, I mean, dude! I would love he's to, so yeah, dreamlandy. Oh, a what? An Oz module. Oh wow, amazing! I didn't even think of that. Of course. But yeah, you're right. Dream Poe has Dreamland. He has the poem Dreamland. Oh yeah. Throughout the Dreamlandy. Oh, so um, Eula Lumi. Oh my God, there's so many that are just straight out of Dreamland. The um, yeah, I I uh, yeah, I think um, I believe I established somewhere in the. T- I there's also I have a list of dreamers in the game. A list of people who may who could be or may might be dreamers and stats for them. And the oh yeah, the other thing is that. For as far as I'm concerned, Dreamland is outside of time, yep. so that um, people from, so that a person from the like the, the Greco-Roman era and a person from the modern day could be talking in Dreamland at the same time because they're dream selves. Yeah, you know the dream selves exist. The dream oh, that's uh, that's established time, right? in Cellophaeus, uh, right? You know, you can meet dead people. There's no question. Yeah, but it's but um, you know, but then that also. From, for by but by implication, then the, the Greco-Roman person could go and like wake up, and then they could write a message in a bottle for their friend, and they could find it two thousand awesome. years later, you know, um, or they could affect history. Um, I mean, and, and you, it is done. And he's done saying these stories. Well, also in Lovecraft, you also you 
there's a Lovecraft poem where he talks about um, it's one of the fungi from Yagoth where he mm-hmm. it talks about time and he and he it's called yeah continuity is the poem mm-hmm. and he talks of, and he uh, it ends with um, uh, in that dim light I feel I, and I am not far from that smooth block whose sides the ages are mm. I think is how it ends and um, yeah anyways I feel that a lot of uh, ramble 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 I, uh, <laughs> you're doing great stuff. bud. Yeah. I feel it's something that is often left out of the, like, when you see people doing takes in the dreamlands, of which there really aren't many, which no. is a shame. Um, you know, it, it gets mixed up with the whole, like, sort of modern psychological aspect and the, like, sci- dream psychiatrist aspect, right? There's mm-hmm. so many, like, dream psychiatrist stories where, like, from, like, Dreamscape and the Inception where people can enter paprika or people can enter dreams. But, um, but that's... But you know they they forget well, about it, the other meaning of dreams is like fairy tales, right? It's like mythology, mm-hmm. the land mm-hmm. of the dream. That's that's what dream also means, right? Um, and also the other thing this I mean Lovecraft it's clearly in Dunsany and Lovecraft I mean, at least at least clearly to me I think they're trying to tap into this idea of quote unquote eternity. They're trying to tap into this deep time idea. So the idea that the dreamlands is this ever shifting blob is um it's well. kind of at odds with that, right? Because mm-hmm. at the same time, it's got to be. It feels like it should. It feels like it's more like the Jungian dreamlands, where it's like mm-hmm. this, um, this sort of eternal, eternal. It's like love. Like maybe I think I read somewhere this is Lovecraft's conception of the cosmos. It's like this eternal machine, you know. Mm. Um, well, that is the cosmos, right? It's yeah. me- mechanistic. Yeah, but it's also grinding. But I mean, at the most from what we know of it, it's grinding towards. Then at the end, right? It's grinding towards a. Um, Currently, know, it's the heat death, right? Yeah, and then um, yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah. I think the idea, the whole like idea of this deep time eternity is not is, is something that is um, you know, the idea. Yeah, that's something that I wanted to. I don't know. I'm it's, I'm having difficulty expressing this, but that's something I wanted to. I I I'm, I try to I try to explore too, and you know, just that aspect that there's that it's um, because you know from yeah from because once you have once you stop the dreamlands are outside of time, you can get into all of these um, you can get into all these paradoxes. You know, that from the idea that in the dreamlands everything is is set, it's already happened. You know, because um, no matter what happens, this person, this one. You know, no matter what happens, these times are going to. Um... Oh, I don't know. Anyways, you're uh... doing great. I want to. I, I want to uh, ask you if you if I told you about this story called Jameson. Uh, we can if if anybody needs to leave, uh, they can. I I'm I'm, ex- I'm going to extend this all all night and all day. <laughs> uh, although I will have to leave at some point to do some dog stuff. Everybody, and I yeah, I, I can't stay too much longer either. But. Yeah, I figured. Anyways, there's this story by Margaret St. Clair, who I think everybody should read a lot of because she's terrific. Yeah. Um, it's public domain. It's called Jameson. Not a great uh, story title. Um, I think that's the one. Anyways, there's a story in which. Um, we have a guy, he, it's very much like a Lovecraft story. A guy goes on, or a Dunsany story. A guy goes on vacation. His wife can't come with him for whatever reason. So it's a last minute vacation. He, he's trying to escape the heat. He goes, tries to book a hotel room at a seaside resort. He can't get the first best, nor the second best, nor the third best hotel. So he ends up at a rooming house with all these weirdos. Um, but he's just happy to be there. And, um, he buys a ro- roll of mints or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and he has them on the bedside table and they fall off 
And so he retrieves them, and he notices there's a crack in the wall behind the bedside table, and there's one of the ladies at the rooming house is in there performing some sort of ritual. And then most of the story is describing that. Uh, <laughs> and this is all framed by a guy um, uh, telling the story uh, in a club. You know, so it's like kind of like a Jorkin story, which is, again, Dunsany. I didn't mm-hmm. think that this is very Dunsany at the time. I didn't mention it on the podcast. But anyways, he looks at her and uh, through the hole in the wall, and she's not pretty, so he's not spying on her because he's getting his jollies. He's just like, what the hell is going on? And she's like, uh, takes out some little men out of a bag, and they have sticks, and they, they, their sticks grow into like tiny little grapes. And she has a tiny little press, and she presses the grapes after they grow, and then she pours the resultant liquid into a uh, mug and drinks it. And then she, he, you know, he makes a burp or some sort of cough or whatever, and she notices him. And then we find out at the end of the story that the guy who's been telling the story is also the main guy who's had this thing happen to him. And that he's forever cursed to walk the earth, uh, trying to, trying to figure out, uh, where to get two things. One is, uh, basuto wood, which is the wood that they were planting there and, uh, moon grapes for the moon wine. <laughs> and it's like, wow, uh, it, it's very much a, like a Dunsany style, um, uh, but, but with the moon wine, right? That's straight out of it. Straight out of, uh, Dreamcast. So I, I, I don't think I mentioned that in the podcast, but it's pretty amazing. It's, it's, it's funny how you have, I mean, you have, it's interesting how Dunsany's style, uh, you know, it has this, he has the epic mythological style where it's really, it's just like completely straight faced and mm-hmm. very, uh, very, and very, it's very. It's all about time and death and these really serious subjects. And then you, but then you, 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 you has all this sort of like this sort of Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman stuff, where it's sort of this sort of fairy tale stuff impinges on the real world and it becomes goofy, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you, so you'll appreciate this, Jason. So, I've been running a play-by-email role play, diceless role-playing game for. Oh my God! Twenty-five years. Wow! Whoa. It's, it's called Strange Bedfellows. It's based on the Amber Diceless role-playing game, so it's set in the world of Roger Zelazny. Mm-hmm. And I, it, they none of the characters have actually explored it in a while. But the original impetus, the the kickoff thing of why why this why things started happening because the inside incident was. A man started invading the dreams of the player characters, telling them that there was an interdimensional force trying to conquer conquer their world, and they needed to work together to fight it. And I expanded that into a whole dreamland sort of wow. world space that occasionally characters would fall asleep and go into. So basically, you would have their individual dreams, but then their individual dreams could open up into a inter, into basically a Lovecraftian dreamlands because i was still i was stealing shamelessly from everything mm-hmm. and so that dreamlands was populated with places of power and creatures and all sorts yeah. of things that you could go find somebody's dream and jump into it and then come out again back into the dreamlands and then run into creatures living in their dreamlands so i mean that phase of the game's mostly gone they're mostly focus now on actually fighting the enemy in their home territory but get your your dreamlands and your dreams rbt reminds me of the more er, the more mid and early days of 
my game when they would go into the dream labs to try to get more information and contact contact the dreamer who eventually wound up physically meeting them and so yes yeah, so i i have a I have a real interest in the game. I also see you also like Kids Johnson's The Dream Quest Developed Book, mm-hmm. which I've oh, told, yeah, I love that book. I've told Jesse before he should read, but he doesn't read modern stuff. Uh, no, it's not that I don't read modern stuff. It's just that, you know, the circumstances all have to be right. And I'm I'm totally up for it, especially if Jason likes it. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's really great. Jace, Jason likes it, so there's an extra book for you to read the story. No, I, I think, I also I, recommend I think it. Evan, didn't you say you read it? No, no, I no, no. Okay, so it, it's uh, sort of a retelling of um, the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath uh, in the aftermath of the Dream Quest. Is that right? Yeah, it's basically a sequel to the Dream Quest of Unknown mm. Kadath, mm-hmm. and um, shorter, much shorter, I think. Right? Is that, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's <laughs> uh, I think it's a novella. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's not. Yeah, well, Dream it's, Quest it's is not, almost novel length. I think it's about the same length. I would say. Oh, really? Okay. It's just a guess. Maybe it's a little shorter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, Johnson. I I've only, I haven't read all of her work, but she she also did another completely. The thing is, in terms of style, well, I I, I just like it. I like it at many levels, but stylistically, it's a complete. It's a complete uh, pastiche of Dream Quest, and I mean that as a compliment. It's intentionally. Yeah, she, she is. She's going for yeah. that because she she's very she's very she's very much on the borders generally with her regular stuff of literary fiction and fantasy. She's very much a prose stylist. Uh-huh. In, in 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 a high mode, so but so in so in, mm-hmm. in Bell at Bow, she's clearly trying to get that Lovecraftian style to and channel that, and I think she does a pretty good job of it. Yeah, and I'd like, agree. And um, have any of you all read her Wind in the Willows sequel, The Riverbank? Wow, not just read no. a bunch of short it's, stories and this. It's a, yeah, it's a complete. Pa- it's a perfect past. It's like Dream Quest, like Bell at Bow to kind of Das. It's a completely. Uh, it's like a complete stylistic doppelganger of um, a Wind in the Willows. Weird. Oh wow! It's really, it's really impressive. Mm. I mean, it's so and and similarly, it slightly it sort of criticizes it and updates it. Not so not so much as it does Velvet Bow does for Dream Quest, but Wind in the Willows doesn't have the same mm. package as as Dream as Lovecraft, <laughs> does, you know, obviously. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's the most when they when those letters come out, man, is he going to be in trouble? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about Dunsany. You know, his letters. No one cares. First off, he has his family is very rich, and they've obviously kept. You know, his biographer was like a friend of the family, and yeah. they've obviously. Who knows what dirt he has? But it's all you know. They're, it's not like all out there in public being you know, Googleable easily. But, um, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. He's is there anybody that. who's better documented than Lovecraft? Yeah. Is the question. I don't think there is. Hence, you know. All the, you know, yep. All, all the, the stuff we yeah, get everything. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, everybody. I really appreciated this. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, it's nice thank to have you. a a nice simple eight minute story extended over uh, three hours of talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and other things. And other things. Um, thank you all for having me on. Thank yep. you, Jesse, Paul, Trish. Yeah, Evan. it was good to finally talk to you. I and mean, we followed yeah. each other on Twitter for a long time. I finally got to actually talk to you. It's oh, good. great. Well, let's, uh, I hope, hope I'll talk to you all more on Twitter. Yep. Um, and I'm sure I'll go on more long rambles about, uh, dream quests and looking dream forward to it. And, looking and forward to the that, game you know, too. Twitter. I, I go to my uh, comic book store as frequently as possible. And I'm always looking at the game section and say, God damn, these games are so expensive. One day I'll buy one. <laughs> 
I've been I, I'm mostly just buying the really kid kid or kid oriented D and D stuff. Um, but cool. I uh, I I'd, I'm happy to book. Um, if you want to book ahead uh, into uh, November, oh my god, for uh, we could do Strange High House in the Mist. I'd love to do Strange High House. All uh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, the next couple of weeks are really crazy for me, so I'm going to be my, – my communication might be kind of slow, but uh, email me, actually. That's probably easier than, than Twitter. Uh, uh, what about yeah. just booking it right now, November weekend, first weekend of November? Um, blurg. Uh, blurg. Blurg, yes. That's B-L-E-R-G, I believe. That, yeah, exactly. It's an um, acronym. <laughs> let me see. First weekend of November, November 6th, 7th. Yeah, I mean, I, the, one of those could probably work for me. Yeah. Just let me know whatever works How for about uh, same time, same station? Saturday what? at 4 p.m.? Well, 4 p.m. my time? Sure. Yeah. Does that work? Paul, I know uh, you, you expressed some uh, well, discontent for this time period, but... Uh, well, it's not, not discontent. It's just usually I am busy. It just happened to be that the game was off this weekend, so... What, I, what, I, would I, earlier I in the day me. solve it for you? I mean, I mean, Sunday mornings are generally the, generally my SSF audio podcasting time. How's that for you, Jason? Sunday morning, eight a.m. Sunday morning. Oh, that might be a little. No, that's gonna, that would not be. I hate to say that would probably be a little tricky. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe maybe the stars will align and there won't be any game. That the stars could Saturday be right, Paul. It's it's What's so that? far it's so far ahead. The stars could be right. The stars could be right. <laughs> Consult some travelers. <laughs> so, we'll never know. All right, let's book it for uh, 4 p.m. and hope, and maybe we can fiddle around a little bit with the time if we have to as time goes by. All right, I should be free then too. Yeah, I figured. I figured you'd be moved by then, right? November, so far ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly hope I'm done moving by then. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> All right. So the first Octo- before October. Yeah. So the first weekend of November is the sixth, seventh. So let's go for the sixth. Um, I I seem seem to have skipped Halloween for some reason. Slash, oh six. People will have plants around Halloween weekend. What? <laughs> no, we're gonna be in Delta or Epsilon or whatever. Everybody's gonna be locked down, not allowed out of their house, wearing masks on their butt. <laughs> I'm predicting the future. It's gonna go exactly as I say. Okay. <laughs> Saturday. Not the cats of Altar. It'll say Strange High House. Um, did you see that Shouldn't the Strange that be Seven? I mean, four p.m. PST. Yes. Can you switch that? Strange High House. Um, did you see that Strange High House in the Mist is uh, in some of the the art? You know, the image of the house is in um, some of the stuff for Darkest Dungeon. No, it is. I did not notice that. Yeah, it's a very iconic image. I, I I look at Jason's art for, it and I think they're stealing from Jason, but no, not really. It's um, it's it's in the original Weird Tales as well. It's like this, you know, Kingsport with a giant mountain that has a giant cliff on it and a house at the very top, right? It's such a cool image. It um, is, and I remember there was some there's some artwork by uh. There's some fanzine artwork from a 1970s Lovecraft fanzine that my dad had that I read when I was a kid, and I was very inspired by that by drawing and that, but I can't remember the name of the artist. There's a, an un, um, unbelievable amount of fanzines uh, between, you know, the 50s and the 70s that are all just Lovecraft and Howard related, and still discovering them even though 
uh, you know, it should all be on the internet. So they're still getting scanned. All right. So everybody in for that one wants to be in for this one, I assume. Yep. All right. Yep. I'm going to take Marissa off and Connor off and add them later. If uh, Evan, you're good for this. I you like so. Strange High House, right? Yeah. I don't remember your show on it, but I probably heard it. I want to hear it again now that I'm thinking oh, about it. Hold on. I'll, find, I'll show you that image. But no, yeah, just keep on talking, and I'll drag an image in yeah. the chat. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Strange High House. We need a Halloween one, week one. We, we still haven't. Uh, well, you know, it won't yep. come out Halloween, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to book it. Well, Screwfly's solution is certainly horror. Yeah, I think that was Scott's idea. And oh. I'd like you to add me to that one. Okay, uh, add yourself. Uh, are are you on there? Uh, I'm on the website. I didn't think You're I. You're not signed in. Privileges. I think I think I gave them to you. If not, I'll somebody change the. Di- What'd you say, Evan? I don't have editing privileges either. Uh, I can add it. It's just um, I have yeah, to I don't, put your I don't email. Write anything. But well, it's just adding yeah, yourself. Not letting me write I'll, do, I'll do it. I want to write my name in once. Okay, so which one? Which one am I? At Screwfly, you said. Oh, I see. Screwfly, yeah. Some. Oh, Paul's doing it. I think. Yeah, I'm doing All it right. for you. Paul's the secretary. Thanks, Paul. I, I would also trying, be interested I, I in the tempest. I think I was overriding. No, yeah, I don't. No, I'll let you do it because I don't want to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that is not high enough. <laughs> That strange high house is not high enough. It, it no mountain. It's. <laughs> I'm trying to look. Oh, oh! Do you still have this fanzine? I do. Yeah. Wow! Amazing. <laughs> my uh, my dad had my dad had two copies. Awesome. Did uh, what's what's the name of it? Uh, it's called HPL. Which is oh, I've hard, I've got um, some scans from that, but I don't think I've yeah. got that issue. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, yeah, I have a. They might. Yeah, we, he has the first and the second printing. So yeah, they're, look, they're the same. It's just one is more ripped up. Look, the sword of Wellerin is uh, on the schedule, and nobody's uh, demanded that we put it, place it on the schedule at a specific date. Look at that. I'm gonna just share this with you, Jason, so you can see all the things you're gonna miss nice. unless you oh, sign wow. up for them. Well, I'm actually gonna be in Jordan for three weeks. So. Uh, oh, very exciting. To, yeah. Visiting the in-laws, I assume. Yeah, yeah. It's sharing the new baby. Exactly. Passing it around, mm-hmm. turning it yep. upside down, seeing if stuff falls out. Nope. It's pretty yeah, solid. It's shaking it so that all of the, you know, the <laughs> points fall out of its mouth. Is that going to be the first time they got to see? Um, Pretty much, except for her, except for her grandmother, who was here when she was born. Nice. Yeah, other than that, everybody. But of course, everyone. We we always talking on video, video calls. Yeah, but that's not the same. It, you know, you can't smell so, uh, a baby through video. Exactly, because and it's a shame because she smells delightful. You know, it's true. Uh, they they put out some sort of uh, baby uh, baby scent that means don't eat me, just sniff me. No, is that true? I think. Really? So. I, I mean. Yeah, they got the big eyes. I, everybody yeah. knows the big eye theory, but I, I'm thinking it's the it's the pheromones, undetectable. I mean, they'll probably be bottling it pretty soon, and people will be putting it on themselves. I mean, New baby it only, smell. It probably only works on humans. They say that. Uh, oh, I'm sure that's true. Animals love eating babies. No, but uh, you know, <laughs> new puppies smell good, right? Hmm. Puppies smell good. That's true. Even if they're rolling in poo and 
you know, dirt. I know puppet dogs are well. You know, I mean, I'm just going to show my pro dog bias. But dogs are basically humans, so you know, it's uh, we're uh, all mixed together. No, sleeping in the same bed for hundred thousand years. We're so. definitely they're definitely on the same team, but they're they're not. <laughs> I mean, they don't act like they don't act like humans in some like. I feel that dogs do act like humans within the limits of their abilities. I my my I feel that dogs are like if you had an eight bed processor and you have you're trying, and there's a 32 bit program called being a human and someone is like well you gotta do you gotta do this program come you gotta come out with this program on the dog platform and they're like, oh, all right we'll, we'll do our best and then they kind of get a program <laughs> they deleted the language in the hands but oh, yeah yeah so that's that's my impression i mean they're definitely uh they have ideas in their heads for sure but but they're well, not you know they don't act like the dominance games that dogs play, I know humans play it, but all dogs play that game. All Not all humans always play that game, you know? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hope we don't. I hope we don't. Uh, <laughs> well, it's not as obvious if we do, that's for sure. Like it, it, It's literally like, submit to me, show me your belly. <laughs> or I will, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know. I mean, I, you, you, I feel you also. You can also envy dogs the fact that they know whether they immediately know whether they like someone or not. They immediately know whether someone is interesting, uh, interesting, boring, or an enemy. You know that they just make that decision in like a sec- a second. Yeah, but they can be wrong too, right? Yeah. Oh well. Well, I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, it's been a huge pleasure. I'm. Thank, uh, Why are you apologizing? I apologize a lot, don't I? It's You're <laughs> better move to Canada, bud. You're in the wrong country. You need to move up here. Yeah, it's too bad I can't. Uh, too bad I can't. Uh, you know, impugn you to go through and impugn. What is it? No, too bad I can't uh, pressure you to go through and implore, implore you to, yeah, to delete all of my. Uh, I sorry. I'm sorry. It's throughout the podcast. <laughs> Okay. I'll just double them. <laughs> Impose upon you to. Uh... Yeah. Anyways, all right. Well, I do got to go. So, thank um, you very much. So much. Such a pleasure to talk to you all. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Jesse. And very, it's so nice to meet the rest of you all. Very happy um, to. And I love your podcasts. Oh, great. Oh, thanks. Okay. You have good taste, right. sir. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Catch you all later. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. Fun, right? Yeah. Well, that went well. I think that game's going to be great. I, I'm. Uh, not sure who it will play it really with me, does but sound intriguing. I mean, just I'm gonna be pouring over the manuals, you know, looking at art and say, "Oh my god, I could have this adventure right now!" <laughs> uh, dude, I'm now I'm gonna have to run this game for Jesse. His art is so good, and oh, you know, although the cards kind of imply that this is a game that really only works on a physical tabletop. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what I'm that worried is, about. It says it can be done on roll twenty. I don't. I don't know what that is, but I. I don't. I don't yeah, actually that, that, play that, that many computer games. Are playing games online? Yeah, I don't really play any. I. I, I haven't played like a Dungeons and Dragons game that I haven't DM'd for decades, really. Well, so. we need to fix that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, I think it, you'd I, be a better I, DM if you if you play Playered once in a while. Oh, I'm sure that's. I, 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 I absolutely concur. I also yeah, I also player. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm playering <laughs> too, because that usually it's just a bunch of kids and I need to model the activity. But no, I, I just I, it would turn into another podcast. 
which is not a thing I need to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to do a pod. Record everything you do, Jesse. Nah, I don't think you, you met me, you Paul. I don't think you've met me, Paul. That's, that's uh, sort of how I run things. Yet you you, you, you tell say- people about your colonoscopies, bud. <laughs> colonoscopy sure coming up. Okay. <laughs> That's me. Uh, there was no pics with that besides, with I that had tweet. That's in a, oh, okay. In that a, explains why there was no days. pics. <laughs> One's a four day. <laughs> Dear God, yeah. more interested in vacation than my colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> Trish, did you see the goddess of At Vatabar on the list the there? Goddess of what? Sorry, at Vatabar. Uh, uh, I'm not familiar with that work. I've never read it, but it's a Hollow Earth um, novel. Mm-hmm. And if you click on the Wikipedia entry thing, there's um, pictures and stuff. Well, uh, there's a little time before that comes up. I am bit, interested yep. also, though, in the Tempest. Okay, so that that one is going to be interesting because we've never done a play, and right. um, it's a great play. Mm-hmm. And you have to goddamn do your homework so much, it's going to be crazy. I'm going to add you to it. What's it I called? I don't know how many movie versions of it there are. I'm certain <sighs> several. There are some. <laughs> and you have to go back in time and visit all the stage play versions, too. And, and, and you probably should read. Okay, I shouldn't be giving you homework because it's not going to be on this podcast. Cause I'm gonna oh, be I'll read the text. text. Not, For sure. No, 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 no but I mean. I mean, I hope somebody brings up Catherine Duckett's Miranda in, Mer- in Milan. <laughs> nope, that would be have to be you, Paul. That's not- a sequel. I know, but it's a sequel to The Tempest. I know, but I'm not going to be there because like, actually, I got, I got some extra homework for you for okay. Tempest. Yeah, What's posted, that? and then you have to read it. What is it? The thing you can find a PDF easily. Google it. What's the extra homework? I'm giving it to you now. Okay. It's a pretty good book. Caliban and the Witch. Caliban and the Witch. Sylvia Federici. She's like a oh, a feminist Marxist. Kind of. <laughs> awesome. Uh, argues that witch hunts serve to restructure family relations. Wow, interesting. This is such an Evan book, man. Oh my yeah, god! It's like Evan has to be on the podcast to talk about that. Clearly. Are you uh, scheduled for it? I think I'm on the Tempest. Let me look. I said I no, he's not. Let's add him now. <laughs> we need to put N on here somewhere. What's? Oh, um, I think it's on the bottom of the list, but it's not scheduled for a date. Um, which N are you talking about? Kings or um, the other guys? Kings and yeah. I don't don't we have to read the other one first? The I don't um, know if there's another. Yeah, um, Mackin. Yeah, that one. Okay. You can do them both. Um, I don't know. Is there an audiobook for the Mackin N? Arthur. N. LibriVox. And the answer is? There's 43 minute one on YouTube. I guess that's LibriVox. Maybe. Um, Might just be a computer reading it. Yeah. I don't like, uh, dude, I want to do Hill of Dreams. That sounds really interesting. That's his novel. That's available on LibriVox. Um, I don't see it here. Maybe it's in one of the collections. It's not full-length novel, right? Hmm. 
Yeah, let's see. N. Mackin. ISFT beam. Try and find so out. That, Paul, this that Miranda read. book does look pretty interesting. It, the witch I, book? I enjoyed it a lot. Uh-oh. Which book? Calibana. Miranda in Milan by Catherine Duckett. That one's 43 minutes, and then... Uh, it says abridged. It's abridged. Oh, the bridge? Yeah, you're right. Sucks. Yep. And 2010, there's one. Okay. 2018. It's a chapbook, so it's a novelette. The Cozy Room and Other Stories. Let's see if that's a... Oh, by the way, The Cozy Room's a good story. It's a short story. Done. It's too short for uh, us, I think. Cozy Room. I've also done it on Reading Short Deep. Uh, and... Let's try that. So our next, so our next week we're doing adaptation by Mac Reynolds. Now I I was working on it before um, we started, but I have not got the um, files processed. So um, if you can um, just use the LibriVox one rather than have me. uh, Put it all together, and it's more likely to Make get bit, you, you, in your hands. You, you, you are a little low on spoons, so okay. So I, I'm. That's right. I'm. You're I've low on a, spoons. I've been away since it's noon. Okay. And, uh, it's okay. And yeah, I don't like it though. I know you don't like it. It's a it's a crappy situation to be in. That you know that's how things go sometimes. Is you know how bad it is, Paul? I'm not how wearing any underwear. It? Jesse, Jesse, telling tell, tell people upcoming colonoscopy is one thing. Telling people about the stage of your other clothes is another entirely. Uh, so you're saying, FYI, I should tweet it. Tweet it even. S- save it for the tweets. No. <laughs> Keyword is yes. Currently not wearing underwear. Um, but um, I like to use... question. <laughs> the Tempest says Saturday, 8 a.m. PST. Yeah, that, that, that would be because of Paul's... Uh, not Paul. Uh, Scott scheduled it for his time convenience. So that would okay, be correct. Okay, so that's correct. But yep. that's fine with yep. me. That's... Yeah. Exactly. Just so, to check. Yep. Um, and then that weird in the eerie book sounds really good. Um, uh, but Marissa wanted to be on it, but she's... Uh, not able to, I think, at that time. Sad story. Yeah, I, I, I'll never. I don't know when I'm getting back to Taiwan, so anything is provisional for me. There might be a well, yeah, on a flight or something. Suddenly, suddenly flew off to another land. Well, as soon as they start processing visas, yeah, but I, it, I it only know, takes a couple other, days to get there. Other countries there are that have like just totally banned visa applications, but Taiwan is one of them. I was at the bar the other day. People were talking about going to Iceland. Iceland. Jason's going to Jordan. Everyone can travel mm-hmm. except me. Yep, everybody can go places except for you. Marissa's moving to Vermont. Amazing. I did find on Twitter some other uh, foreign spouses in my situation. Yeah. Or because of visa, because they didn't have a. You know, a working ARC, they can't get back to Taiwan. Wonder if we can form a collective. <laughs> I, a petition. I I understand they're being protective, but 
they're letting in 13,000 students and they're letting in foreign professors. Oh, wow. They're still processing visas for foreign spouses. There can't be that many separated foreign spouses who need to get to Taiwan. Hmm. I mean, I guess there's couples that are here, right? And they're, one is Taiwanese, the other is an American, let's say, and they want to travel and go back to see family, you know, and the, the Taiwanese can go, but the spouse can't. There's probably people in that situation, but I can't, it can't be a huge number, you know. It's not I'm starting the recording. Yeah, I'm right. starting the recording. Everything goes in the show. So when you give your bank account number, you just lie, okay? <laughs> oh, I haven't hit my recorder. Well, Paul, hit so. your recorder. Oh, okay, I will hit the recorder. Um, where's my recorder? Uh, I'm so I disorganized, I, I, I can't even find your uh, giant... Uh, Dreamlands collection book, but it's on the website, right? So I can go over there yeah. and click on it. We've yeah, had several that. occasions where multiple <sighs> recordings have failed. Yes. So all of us who can record generally yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not recording, so uh, I'll leave it all in. Yeah, we'll, we'll be good. Um, well, we've got we've got enough pairs of suspenders here. Cats. So we uh, have a Paul oh, Jesse, Paul, Marissa. Is that Lockman. a Marissa I hear? Uh, no. Can you hear Trish Matson. Oh, Trish. Hi. Sorry. Hi. <laughs> are you are you listening yeah. enough that you can recognize people's voices? No, I I, I can't. I, I uh, I'm totally mistaken. <laughs> I clearly can't. I, I heard, but I heard you say Paul. I recognize your voice, Jesse. <laughs> Trish, I'm really sorry. I, I thought I got you mixed up with someone because I'm I'm dumb. No, no, that's okay. Um, Marissa is on. Marissa was podcast scheduled. Frequently. She was scheduled, mm-hmm. but she she, oh, uh, yeah, she is was. not. <laughs> She's not on a couple other people. Connor not on. There's uh, one of his friends is moving out of Australia. Everybody's moving, um, <laughs> and uh, and Con. Yeah, so Connor's not available. Trish Trish is available. Paul and Evan was in the last minute addition, which is interesting. I think he wasn't scheduled until like. Evan, are you there? Wow. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, nice to meet you all. Yeah. So uh, you get yeah, so who who here has seen uh, his work on the Cats of Altar? I'm just going to send it to the group chat here. I actually have a uh, a Cats of Altar. Oh, no, I have. Oh, you haven't seen this before? It's amazing. No, I have not. Now I have. Okay, I'm going to put this... Uh, okay, everybody, yeah. So that's the first page of, what is it, like eight pages, something like that? And it's in the big... What's the big book called? The Annotated Dream Quest? Uh, yeah, I, that has a collection of, uh, it has Dream Quest, a Cellophase, uh, Strange Eye House in the Mist. That's a great and one. The White Ship. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking we should do, uh, Strange High House next. Cause that story oh, is, that story. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting and it's very, it's very different from this one. <laughs> Although it's, you know, still Lovecraft. But, uh, so have a look through this if you, if you haven't looked at it before, Paul. You're, uh, I'm doing. I'm doing so. Need now, to do so. I mean, I, I, follow, I think I gotta I look at your stuff more because uh, I knew about the comic, the Dream Quest stuff, but uh, like Strange High House on the Mist. I just because I, I think so much about how these different cities mm-hmm. that Lovecraft invented all are like different centuries, and it's kind of this temporal geography. Of Lovecraft's, now how Innsmouth is kind of an old post-industrial 19th century city, and Arkham, Providence, of course, 19th, 18th century, and, and Kingsport is like this 17th. Is, this is why everything has to go into the show because Evan can't save it. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's he's like the he's the opposite of uh, what's a person who doesn't have sex all the time? Celibate. A cel- he's the opposite of a celibate. He just he he's he's just like every time to- every every second he wants to put out content. We're this is the pre chat. We're not supposed to be talking that stuff yet. Hold on, oh, Evan. It's not about it's not about cats of <laughs> You well, yeah, but still, it's, it's got it's still good, and it is about the cats of Yeah, I love Oh, thank you so much. I love Strange High House, and I think it's one of those Lovecraft stories that um that is really that basically gets left out of like the Cthulhu mythos, so people don't really talk about it and have it and, and don't you know it, it hasn't been it hasn't really been explored a lot. So I'd love to talk about that one at another yeah. point. But, yeah, let's let's uh, talk talk about scheduling that after. Uh, but I need you to guarantee that you'll be on it, even though I'm going to insult you in six different ways that I don't know about. Um, wow, you just have okay. to promise yourself that you will do it, even though you hate me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Speaking I, I, speaking of which, in the first, uh, I just sent a bunch of. I've been so busy. My mom went into hospital almost uh, a week ago. It's such a crazy story. I, I'm like, she says, "Can you barbecue for me on Sunday?" And I'm like, "Sure, no problem." Um, it's some her friend's birthday, and uh, you know it's COVID, so they want to do it outside, and that's fine. So I go, I show up, and uh, on my way, um, she has a text message that says, um, I, I hurt my arm, so I'm not going to be very good at being a host. And I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm busy podcasting. Don't bug me, lady. <laughs> right? <laughs> so like, it's, this is uh, like, I'm going to do the work. This is not going to be a problem, right? Well, then the next thing I hear um, after the podcast is done, is that, uh, oh, uh, her friend whose birthday party it was came and picked her up and took her to an emergency. <laughs> so it wasn't she hurt her arm. She, like, really hurt herself. And yeah. uh, she's been in hospital for almost a week. It's, like, almost exactly a week because it was Sunday morning we recorded a show, I think. And then uh, she just never showed up for the party. <laughs> but I didn't know. I, didn't, I, I thought, oh, it's like, you know, they're going to give her, uh, you know, a sling or something, but it turns out she had like cracked ribs, and so they admitted her, and then it's a whole production. But she's like, continue with the party. <laughs> but the lady whose birthday party it was was actually at the hospital with her the whole day. So we had a birthday party um, for somebody who wasn't there. <laughs> no, it wasn't there. <laughs> and uh, I think it's probably because it was pol- it was related to politics. Like there was uh, one of the people running for for um, the new federal election that was called um, on last Sunday, and uh, so it was like it was coordination and get together and also a birthday party. But all of the people there are like big into getting somebody elected, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Long story short, she just got a new puppy like two days before that happened, and I'm babysitting a new puppy, her other three dogs, and her chicken, and there's bears, and I'm at her house with no access to computers or anything, so that's why I'm a little worn out, Paul. <laughs> okay, okay. I, <laughs> it wasn't I'm, you. I was joking. No, I wasn't thinking it was me. It's, you didn't sound great. Like, what's wrong with I'm you? A, I'm a little ragged. I, I, I literally was worried about getting enough time today to get, edit up something. I got that done already. So now I can relax. This this is the relaxing part of the week, okay? Okay. All right. So I'm going to turn my phone to sleep. There it is. And I put into the group chat um, some pictures I didn't get a chance to send to everybody because I was on my phone. 
I was also working, you know, a ton. I don't normally work this much, but I'm working a lot. And there's uh, inspired by Jason Art is the first <laughs> one. Uh, Jihu's uh, uh, scene of a bunch of cats and the reason they have so many in Ulthar is apparently they're, they grow a lot of grain. <laughs> makes, makes sense. Right? And uh, so I showed her basically, you know, teaching her about horizon lines and, you know, putting things closer to the camera and, and all that stuff. And I said, just copy this part from Jason's comic. And then look over here. Look, that, that one. How about this one where the lady's opening the doors and she's really happy? And then I did my own because I tried to do Jason style and it didn't work. All the cats look like monsters. So I just did the coffee cats of Althar. It's perfectly <laughs> legitimate. And then there's a couple of ones uh, Jason did that are not in the comic. Um, but that's definitely a scene from this story, although it's never shown in the text, right? Although I actually drew the um, the, co- the old couple to be more sympathetic in that, that drawing. Yeah. So it, uh, it's an alternate take. Yes, it is. Um, Which I think we will get to, but look at all those cats, yo. It's a lot of cats. Um, yeah, we counted, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago. We counted all the cats in the comic adaptation. It was like 109 or something like that. That's a nice. lot of cats. <laughs> and then the last one, this is not actually uh, from the Cats of Ulthar, but uh, anybody identified other than Jason? What story it's from? The last one. Um, uh... Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath? Exactly right. That's exactly Yay! right. Those are the cats on the moon. Yeah. Perfect. So I guess that orb is either the sun or the earth in the background, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the moon is full of cats. <laughs> because of reasons. And also, look in the background, there's like um, ruins. Yep, it's all connected. On the right, yeah, it is all connected with craters and the whole mm-hmm. kabang. And then there's the little cabbage thing on the ground, which makes me think of. It's uh, what they make the moon wine planet. out of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Except that that's not large enough for uh, someone to sleep in. But you know, details. All right, um, I do believe I have one other thing, one other tab to bring up, and then I'm I'm pretty much ready to start. I got. The e-text, if anybody wants that, I'll put that in the chat. So you can do a search should you I, need I've it. Got, I've got a... I had. I, I, I think... Uh, yeah, that's the one I was looking at, but then the window got overwritten while I was looking at Jason's stuff. I think the first... Is this the first podcast I've been on with you, Jason? Or just been yeah, just he's so only bad. been on one other one, I think, right? Just where I said, hey, you need to be my friend. Come on my podcast so we can chat. And that was right before okay. your baby was born. Yeah, well, it wasn't really in a, f- a formal podcast. It was more just like us, us two in the fat. But it was a lot of fun. That's what a well. It wasn't a read along. That's for sure. Yeah, but, it wasn't a read along. But it, yeah, well, that but, explains. But yeah, you did share it, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um. So, uh, have I got this? No, I'm not. I just I'll just find it again. A long time ago, I wrote about this story before it was was uh. Okay, just type it in. SFF Audio, Cats of Ulthar. Because there was a note in it that now that I've 
it's yeah, 2012. So 11 years ago, I wrote something about it. Is that right? No, nine years ago. There we go. Okay. Y'all ready? Yes. I yeah, am sure. All right. I'm going to make sure my recorder is working properly. It looks good. Phones are asleep. Trish, you good? Yes. Sorry, okay. I had myself muted. My <laughs> relatives are visiting and they're running the microwave right now, but hopefully you, not too Tell early. them to get out of the house and not come back until you say it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> They'll have no problem with it. Just tell them Jesse said it was fine. Mm. <laughs> How to make friends. All right, here we go. Um, so, uh, Jason, you'll just say at the end, I'm Jason or Jason Thompson or whatever uh, you want to promote. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, what do, wait, do you want? You just want to have me. Sorry. It, it, <laughs> I'll, I'll say, hi, I'm Jesse. Evan will say, hi, I'm Evan. Paul will say, hi, he's Paul. Trish will say, hi, she's Trish. And then you can say whatever you like. All right. That's great. All right, Trish. I'll, I'm after you. <laughs> okay. Right. Here we go. <laughs> oh, I'm getting my copy of the story out too. Damn it. Not organized, Jesse. Really last minute. Here we go. I'm going to lock through your brain. Ah, uh, yeah. Here we go.